Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk to recorded live. Um, it is, I don't even know, um, February 18th, 2016. It is 7.33 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I am up in Bangor, Maine, and my host name is Thrive and Joy, but my other name is Ginger, and um, my last name is Cookie, so it's Ginger Cookie, haha. And um, boy, there's a lot going on, you can't even, Thursdays, I think, are always like this, and it's probably along with what they talk about as the news cycle, you know, where they drop things towards the end of the week because by Monday you'll have forgotten a lot of it. So every Thursday when I'm getting ready for my show and I think I've got all kinds of things together that I want to talk about, all of a sudden something else happens So, or I hear something right before I come on and I think I should talk about it. Well, um, tonight it was uh, about the Pope saying that Donald Trump wasn't a Christian, so kind of kind of just off on the side because the political campaigns are basically theater for the masses to get worked up about, talk about, argue about while the controllers are doing something just out of sight. So I'm not going to pay a lot of attention to that, although I think it's kind of interesting that in all the years since I've been alive, the Pope has been held in such high regard that no one would ever say anything against the Pope, and the Pope would never um, have stooped to a level where he would be offering opinions about a political campaign. So <clears throat> I find that pretty interesting. All right, um, first thing tonight, um, I don't know if these are in any particular priority order, but the first thing I felt that I should bring out tonight is um, something that I talked about before on another program. And I don't remember when it was. I just know I talked about it before and went into it quite a bit. And um, while I was filing some of my papers and um, putting things together for um, keeping track, I told you I was going to start working on folders so I could find things again. And I have some paper folders for things that I've printed out that I've used. And then I will be making digital folders of links and things like that. Well, something I came across in my stack of paper that I was filing, uh, when I looked at it again, I went, holy cow, I forgot about this. And uh, I think it's important, So, especially in lieu of what's going on in the world right now. So I'm going to just mention it again. And it's just uh, probably two pages of large print uh, printed. So I'm going to read it. I don't know if I can still find this link, if it's still there. I was going to check, and I haven't yet, but I will type it into the chat and see if it still works. <clears throat> but um, we've referred to this a couple of times, too, about how the organization of the world has changed and how it could be that this is actually um, 
what we're operating under now instead of under such things as the traditional constitutional government that you'd expect us to have, okay? So, <clears throat> and as you know, we have a very strong um, precedent and basis for our law, which is that we have to consent to being governed. We have to agree to it. So I think these are important. And last week we talked about the Council of State Government and how um, it seems to be the global commercial use of resources and people and everything else that seems to be in operation right now. And this kind of just jumped right out at me when I was filing. So anyway, um, it's called Keeping Up Appearances. I believe it was written by Vicki Davis. Um, the website is channelingreality.com, where I originally found this, because it's on the border of the paper. And I printed it out August 25th of 2013. So it's possible that that's near the time when I talked about it before. It would have been August of 2013. So, you know, going on, well, be what, two and a half years ago? Not sure. Okay, um, in an article, an article is underlined as though it's a link, so it probably is a link we could find. I read recently that was written by Arthur Schlesinger in 1947. He quoted D.W. Brogan, change anything except the appearance of things. I do remember that quote <clears throat> because obviously if you're trying to obscure what's going on in a shadow type situation, shadow government, shadow business dealings, uh, you know, World Bank stuff, always make it look like everything is normal on the surface and then you can do everything else and no one will even see it, right? So I know we talked about that before in general, just the concept. All right, I'm going back to reading. In the decade preceding the new millennium with the redesign of our government by Bill Clinton and Al Gore, the signing of the NAFTA agreement in 1993 and the Marrakesh Agreement in 1994 to create the WTO. Everything changed except for the appearance of things. The United Nations likes to name decades by the mission they intend to focus on. If we were to do that, we would call the decade before the 2001, before 2001 the decade of globalization. The globalization itself is a perfect illustration of, illustration of keeping up appearances. The word says everything and nothing. So what is globalization? The Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary defines it this way. Definition of globalization. The act or process of globalizing. The state of being globalized, especially the development of an increasingly integrated global economy marked especially by free trade, free flow of capital, and the tapping of cheaper foreign labor markets. Here is how I define globalization. Globalization is a shift in governing authority. International agreements dictate domestic law. Leverage by commercial extortion is written into the agreements. Congress becomes nothing more than a rubber stamp process. The State Department's mission is to manage international affairs and to enforce international agreements. The effect is that the State Department becomes the legislative branch of government. You remember all that? I'm not sure if everybody was here that night, but this is well-worn paper. I know I really looked at it a lot. I carried it around and wrote on it. <clears throat> 
By all appearances, not much has changed in our government except for the Department of Home Scam Security. Then on page two is a, is a, a couple of diagrams. The first one shows Congress. These are squares because they're like um, diagrams so that you can get the concept. Um, so one is Congress and one is President Executive Branch. One is agencies and departments, which would be EPA, DHS, uh, Education, Homeland Security, or Health and Human Services, I mean. And then another one is Supreme Court, another one is military, and one is State Department. Okay, But the way the laws are really being crafted are through this hidden organizational arrangement, and then it shows another diagram, which are three, it's two circles intersecting, a Venn diagram, if you know what a Venn diagram looks like. It's two circles that intersect each other so that the commonality is in the middle. And it has the State Department on one side and Congress on the other. And in between, where the two circles intersect, is internal. So the red part, the State Department, United Nations Organization, WTO, NAFTA, CAFTA, etc. And then the blue side, Congress. And then in the middle, it says internal Bureau of Legislative Affairs, Congressional Staff. Um, Americanized international law edicts include funding for NGOs who are the privatized governance social workers and change agents for the commercial territory formerly known as the United States of America. On May 2, 1990, Senator David L. Boren, B-O-R-E-N, published an article in the Washington Post calling for a new role for America in the world. The article was placed into the congressional record by Senator Clyborne Pell. Boren was worried that America's leadership in the world would diminish as the threat from the Soviet Union subsided. The title of the article was, and then it shows dot, 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 for a model nation. And it's underlined, so it's a link. And But I printed this out, so we'd have to go see if it's still available to be able to find it. But if it's written by uh, Boren, then we should be able to find it by searching for it anyway. His plan was ostensibly to retain leadership through economic power, turning the State Department into a commercial marketing agent. This concept of corporate and government power combined for commercial purposes of control is the system that created the economic hitmen. The following are excerpts. Okay, this is the excerpted part. Second, change the perspective of American embassies and missions to give greater emphasis to supporting our economic interests. We must recruit more people into the foreign service and intelligence agencies with economic skills and training. Right now, two-thirds of our embassies do not even have a commercial officer in the embassy to assist our business. When we do have a commercial officer, it is three times as likely that the official is a foreign national. Embassies must be regarded as outposts to further our economic interests. We must put behind us the attitude that commercial sections of diplomatic missions are nuisances best relegated to basements or annexes. If we don't restore our economic influence, we will soon be without political influence. 
Of course, a comprehensive plan to rebuild our economy should include many other initiatives, repairing the entire education system, planning for the transition from a military economy to a civilian economy, and developing an international partnership to share the cost of improving the environment must all be part of the plan. It is essential to overhaul tax policy to match the tax incentives for saving and investment given by other nations so that our cost of capital can compete with theirs. That's the end of the excerpt. In the article mentioned previously by Arthur Schlesinger, he quotes a descriptive phrase from the work of Henry David Thoreau. The quote is from A Plea for Captain John Brown, written in 1853, describing representative government. This is the quote. A semi-human tiger or ox stalking over the earth with its heart taken out and the top of its brain shot away. Close quote. That description better fits the unelected, unrepresentative plutocracy being run out of the U.S. State Department than it did representative government, but because the image of the State Department is one of diplomacy, it isn't recognized as the monster it's become. Keeping up appearances is a, sim is a simple strategy that works brilliantly. Vicki Davis, August 24, 2013. So I'm going to put the... Um, link to that in the chat and then we can click on it and see if it goes anywhere. Sometimes these things get taken down as you know. That's why I always say if it's something important that you want to save, you better print it. Because um, that's one thing about the internet. Uh, it's what I call dynamic. I don't know whether that's the original word for it or not, but I call it dynamic because it can change. Um, it can change if somebody goes in there right now and edits it and reposts it. So a lot of times things will move or they will just be gone. Flash keeping underscore up underscore appearances. Oh, great. This has been uh, abbreviated, so I'm going to hope that this is enough for it to go there. Let's see if it does. Here's the link. And uh, I'll see if it, I'm going to click on it and see if it goes there. Not found. Okay. Um, I'm going to check it that I spelled it right and didn't make any typos. Channel reality. Ah, channeling reality. Try channeling reality. See if that goes there. Uh, no, didn't find that either. Let's see. Okay www.channelingreality.com slash nwo underscore wto slash keeping underscore up underscore appearances. But it's abbreviated, so. All right, so uh, that didn't work either. So let's try this. Keeping up appearances. We're going to do a search. Plus Vicki Davis. And I'm going to put 2013 in case I can get the original one. See if it's put up somewhere else. Okay. Um, oh, dot .htm. Maybe that's what I needed. Okay. Um, it's showing. So here's the new link. 
take this one. First link is wrong. Use second. Okay, so when you click on that, <clears throat> it needed the HTM on the end, I guess, and also channeling reality. I had the wrong thing. Um, if you click on that and you go look at it, you can see the diagrams that I was referring to. And um, you can also see the links to, that I told you were hyperlinks, like on the first line where it says, in an article I read recently. You could click on that and see if it goes to it. And apparently it's going to, because I just see in the heading that it's going there. Um, it's a PDF file. I never went back and read that, but that would be interesting to go back to since it was written in 1947. <clears throat> and then as you go down through, um, any of the things that show up blue and underlined, those are hyperlinks. So uh, the published article, dot, 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 for a model nation. Um, Globalsecurity.org is where, where it's showing that it was published. Senator Boren on America's role in the world. Um, and Washington Post, May 2nd, 1990. That would also be interesting to go through and read. But I guess my point is of this is that these plans have been in place for a long time to change the structure of how our government works. Um, we talked about it before that the State Department had more um, clout or authority or whatever you want to call it. It's a stronger, more important structure than what the public believes. They think it's just the, you know, like in the movies where if you have trouble and you're in a foreign country, you go to your embassy and they'll take care of your paperwork or help you out. Um, and in some of the, you know, the scary movies where Americans were running for their lives, they might run to the embassy and hide out because the embassy is actually the soil of the country that that it represents. So if you're at the embassy, you're in the United States. At least that's how I understand it. <clears throat> so that's that. Um, I thought that was important to bring out. I was, um, like I say, I'm amazed when I come across something like that that seems to be um, a topic that's at the forefront for whatever reason, to have uh, what I need to see come right into my hands. Um, you know, some of us have different belief systems, but to me it's because it was meant to. I was supposed to notice it so um, and bring it up. So someone would hear it. So maybe someone will hear it. I have noticed there's been a lot of downloading of programs lately, of this particular program um, for us. I mean, it's certainly not, <laughs> it's not like hundreds of thousands or anything. But when people go in and they take uh, different files and uh, download these shows, it makes me wonder who's looking into it because they're randomly, they appear to be randomly selected, like they're from different years and uh, different times of the year. So in order to know what somebody might be interested in, unless they're just getting an idea of what the show's about, but if they're actually looking for what people are saying about certain topics, um, they may correspond to certain dates where events were happening. So if there's anyone that shows up in the chat that's been downloading the show, please let me know so I know if it's one of us or if it's somebody else. Okay, I'm going to move on then because I have a lot that I want to bring up. Number two, I had uh, Scalia's death. 
Um, when I first heard that uh, Justice Antonin Scalia was killed um, or died, actually they said he died of natural causes, they made such a point of it on the news that it, it rose red flags for me the same way that the Porter Ranch um, situation did. It was because of the way they said it and what they said and that it didn't seem to be the way things are usually done. I told you these are the things that stand out to me the most. If I were listening to a conversation with people and they had odd wording or they emphasized a certain thing, it would stand out to me. It wouldn't be just like, you know, a normal conversation. Well, that night when I heard that, um, he had died in this uh, hunting resort or whatever. And at first I thought, oh, my gosh, was he shot? You know, did something happen? Um, and then to hear that he was found dead um, and that he was, uh, he died of natural causes. It was too early for somebody to say that. They said it too many times in a row. They emphasized it by saying he died of natural causes, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so my radar went up. It was like, what? How could they know how he died yet? Because it just happened. Um, people didn't talk about it for most of that day. And he he had been dead for hours. I believe, before anyone really heard about it anywhere in the media. Um, things tend to show up on Godlike Productions fairly early. I can't remember if that did, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. But I believe I heard about it before I saw it in any media, normal media, you know, the big media. Um, so that also would raise a red flag. What are they doing trying to get their you know, story together? Since then, there have been a lot of things that have come out um, regarding how the body was found, um, regarding embalming, um, who took possession of the body, his, whether his son knew something was wrong because his son apparently was going to be there and then wasn't there. Um, I've heard that um, Obama was supposedly on some smaller plane flying to Texas with Justice Scalia and that then he went on to California and rejoined with Air Force One. Um, there have been various things told as stories regarding this, and whether or not we'll ever know for sure, or if these are just rumors or leaks from people that know things, I don't know. I just believe that the justice was murdered. I believe it. I feel that I'm right about that. It's intuition totally. I know people do die in their sleep, but if his body was indeed found lying perfectly calm in bed with his hands folding on his, folded on his chest and a pillow on his head, um, it sounds to me like what they call is a calling card, which is to show who did it um, to the people that pay it or what pay the deal or whatever it is. Um, one of the things that also occurred to me this week was I started hearing about the Pope being in Mexico, and I'm like, why is he in Mexico? I went and looked it up. This was a planned trip. I believe it was planned since December for him to go to Mexico. But it strikes me odd that the Pope was in a location that was in close proximity to where this justice died. I did go look at where the town is um, on a map. And the ripply part of Texas, that probably the Rio Grande River, um, it's right there. It's right on the border, the little place where he was. Um, I also had heard that 
um, the person who owns that ranch is a close associate with the president. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, because we see things all the time that are are staged, um, you know, to make something look a certain way. We see spin all the time. Um, and so you never really know for sure whether you're getting the whole story. So um, I'm going to get you the uh, link that I saw, which had um, some things related to this. Um, Oh, um, the website where this was posted, and it was transferred over, I believe, to April Danger is where I saw it. But the place where it was originally posted is called MainRepublicEmailAlert.com. I think I might have mentioned this place before. I don't know anything about this place. I don't know this person. Um, and maybe it's something to look into further because it seems like people who are doing work in you know the patriot community or the researching community for um, global events would have heard of each other in a state the size of Maine. And I don't know this person, but I do remember when I saw the name, I went, okay, I think I've looked him up before. David E. Robinson, publisher. Um, and the article is, let's see how long it is. It's not that long, so I'm going to read it because it relates to Judge Scalia. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Scalia had secret Texas meeting with Obama just hours before his death. Um, and there's a picture, but I don't know when the picture was taken, okay? There's uh, other justices in the picture. There's um, Sotomayor, and it looks like uh, the back of Ruth Bader Ginsburg in this picture. So it could have been any time when these people were together. But that's the picture that's with it. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia left and President Barack Obama right. See, now they're indicating like that's when it was taken, when the picture was taken. That kind of thing also raises a red flag with me because it's how propaganda is done. You create this sort of image in someone's mind, and if they're just, you know, reading it and not paying that much attention to it, they wouldn't necessarily remember that, hey, were the other justices there? Because all they're really noticing are the two people that were mentioned. You see what I'm saying? A stunning report prepared for the Office of the President by the Foreign Intelligence Service <clears throat> examining the letters sent to President Putin by American billionaire Donald Trump last week that appeared to predict the murder of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia suggests that just hours before this esteemed jurist's death, he had held a secret meeting with Obama aboard a U.S. Air Force plane heading to a secluded Texas ranch owned by a close personal friend and top campaign donor of America's leader. According to this report, SBR Assets reported that on 11 February, both Obama and Justice Scalia were at Joint Base Andrews, scheduled for two separate U.S. Air Force flights from Andrews Field, the first taking Obama to Los Angeles and the second taking Justice Scalia to Marfa Municipal Airport, located in the southwestern region of Texas near the Mexican border. While Obama was scheduled to depart on one of the U.S. Air Force's two Boeing VC-25 aircraft, commonly referred to as Air Force One, 
Justice Scalia's flight was scheduled aboard a Gulfstream C-37A, which is the U.S. Air Force's designation for their fleet of the popular Gulfstream 5, I guess, V, private jet aircraft. Just prior to these two U.S. Air Force aircraft departing from Andrews Field, this report notes, SBR assets assigned to monitoring top American political and military figures noted a discrepancy from normal protocol when Justice Scalia's three U.S. Marshal Services Judicial Security Division protectors defenders left the airbase with the personal protection of this noted jurist being transferred to the U.S. Secret Service. Upon both Obama and Justice Scalia's different flights departing from Andrews Field, this report continues detailing an even greater discrepancy from normal protocol, which was noted by the SBR when they were informed by Aerospace Forces satellite monitoring pers personnel that U.S. Air Force F-16 fighter aircraft from three different bases, Shaw Air Force Base, Montgomery Field, and Luke Air Force Base, accompanied the entire flights of both the Boeing VC-25 and the Gulfstream C-37A, a level of protection normally only afforded to the U.S. President exclusively. As to why the U.S. Air Force provided F-16 fighter aircraft protection to Justice Scalia's flight, this report continues, became even more concerning to the SBR when after the flight landed in Marfa, Texas, this extreme protective air cover was maintained until the Gulfstream C-37A departed three hours later and flew to Los Angeles Air Force Base, accompanied by its fighter plane escort, and where at the exact same time the American press covering Obama began questioning where he was, only to be told that Obama had been missing due to a late-night off-the-books dinner with three of Hollywood's elite the White House wouldn't further comment on. This SBR report, though, strongly suggests that Obama had, in fact, been aboard the Gulfstream C-37A with Justice Scalia from Andrews Field to Marfa, and then further traveled from Texas to Los Angeles on it, which they say is the only conclusion to be reached due to the U.S. Air Force's continuous protection of it. In support of this conclusion, AF radar and electronic spectrum satellite analysis of Marfa where the Gulfstream C-37A landed with Justice Scalia and maybe Obama, shows a four-vehicle convoy leaving the KMRF airport and traveling to a 12,140-hectare, 30,000-acre estate called the Cibolo Creek Ranch. Critical to note about the Cibolo Creek Ranch is that it is owned by Texas multimillionaire John Poindexter, who, aside from being the owner of the vast conglomerate J.B. Poindexter & Company, Incorporated, is a longtime personal friend of President Obama, who is in one of his first duties upon being elected, bestowed a war medal upon Poindexter for his service during the Vietnam War. John Poindexter left, and President Obama write of even greater concern about Obama's personal friend, John Poindexter. Sorry, the first part was the caption for a picture of them shaking hands. Of even greater concern about Obama's personal friend, John Poindexter, SBR analysis, analysts state, is that within 36 hours of Justice Scalia arriving at his Cibolo Creek Ranch estate, he, Poindexter, reported to the media that the jurist had died and who then coordinated with local Texas officials to have Justice Scalia declared dead via a phone conversation with the area medical examiner without an actual medical examination of the body, in clear violation of Texas law, which states an autopsy is to be performed when the body or a body part of a person is found and the cause or circumstances of death are unknown. 
with Justice Scalia being reported found dead while in John Poindexter's estate, this esteemed jurist was further said to have been found with a pillow over his head while laying dead in his bed in unwrinkled bedclothes, which just by these reports alone under Texas law demanded that an autopsy be performed to identify the cause of death. And then it shows a picture of the heart attack gun, CIA's heart attack gun. They can make your murder look natural. As the Obama regime continues with its cover-up of Justice Scalia's death, Obama's pre-knowledge by hours of Justice Scalia's death, along with former U.S. Army intelligence officer Ray Starman, stating his concerns that foul play was involved. The shocked American people in a new poll shows that fully 79% of them suspect this jurist was murdered, but which the SCR, though continuing their investigation, may never know the entire details about. And um, it says at the bottom, about David Robinson. He is a journalist and author living in the mid-coast area of Maine. He served as a grand juror seated under summons on the Cumberland County Maine Grand Jury for the first four months of 2014. For his other publications, see, and it has a link, he can be emailed at drobin88 at comcast.net. And then it says you can view all his posts. Um, like I said, I don't know this person. Um, I don't know how much is in this that may be true or not true. I saw it posted, Able Danger. Um, but the fact that somebody went to the trouble to write this and put information in it that could be verified by people that work in these areas. If they work in airports, they would have seen these planes, know something about it. Um, they would know what's common and what isn't, what protocols are generally done. Um, the name John Poindexter could be looked into. Uh, there's all kinds of things that people could look into regarding this if they're doing any researching at all on this topic. So, um, like I say, I look at things with a broad view. So <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. Do your own research. Um, and. Uh, people are talking in the chat room. If anyone wants to see the links or the conversation going in in the chat room on any talk show show, you can go to chatgrabber.com, enter the show's ID number, which this one is 94426, and choose the episode you want to um, look at, look at the chat for. Um, and this is episode 234. So go and get links and not have to try to copy them down or save them. Um, so, my thing was, where was everyone? So, it's not that hard sometimes to go and look at individuals and see what their schedule was and who was around. I'm sure there will be more stories about this. There always are, especially when they're trying to cover up something that seems to be coming out, such as what the heck is going on, how did they come and take his body and then embalm him in the middle of the night. Um, which parts are rumors, which parts are true. Um, as far as um, some of the speculation, people were saying, why would he be there when it was Valentine's Day weekend? Why would he go there? He had a family to spend time with. I mean, he's married. Why wouldn't he be with his wife on Valentine's Day? Um, there's a lot of things that could be going on. People could be lured to a location to have... Um, some type of meeting, why he would be there, um, you know, basically in the arms of, of an Obama supporter. 
um, when he was on the other side of the political fence and uh, also one of the people that the um, the progressives want wanted to have replaced is just highly suspicious um, but like I said, it's going to re, it's going to require having some either law enforcement that really wants to know the answers and not just cover them up, and and or people who are whistleblowers that are, you know, we're in the right place at the right time and know things and know what's a lie, and that's it. We have no other way of knowing what's going on. The reactions are bizarre. Like almost immediately, like the minute that people heard that Scalia was dead, they were already speculating on who was going to pick the next Supreme Court justice. A little early, I think. I mean, disgustingly early, really. Not even decent. Um, the shows on the weekend, the political shows on Sunday, same thing. Just, I mean, he was barely cool yet. If, indeed, he's dead. I mean, it's possible they said he's dead and farmed him out somewhere so that he could continue to live his life somewhere in exile. Who knows? Some of the stuff that goes on, we'll never know. Um, the other thing was um, watching the people speculate on who would be nominated. That indicates which side people are on and who their alliances are with, in my view, because they, they, when they speculate, they reveal themselves quite a bit. So that's interesting, too. Um, so anyway, the schedules, the responses afterwards, the fact that the Obamas are not going to the funeral. They plan to attend the viewing, however. Um, and today, um, what was being told was that they w that Obama was going to be at a Black Lives Matter event or something like that. Just appalling to a lot of people who believe in, you know, whether you like somebody or not, you attend their funeral because of the stature of their office. The president should be at the funeral of a justice of the Supreme Court. There's only nine of them, you know, clear the schedule, whatever. Um, I'm sure the Supreme Court justices would be at the funeral of the president of the United States. It's just what you do. It's a respect thing. Okay, I'm going to look in the chat and see if anyone had anything to say about that particular story. Um, um, so, speculation in there, people talking about what they think happened. So, <clears throat> right, Desert Pete clarified that the ranch owner is not the Poindexter from the Iran Contra days. Some of us that are older, we remember that name, Poindexter. I believe he was an admiral. I seem to recall him testifying in the Oliver North case because if you were here the night I talked about that, I watched every minute of that. I didn't miss anything. I took my little portable television in the car with me and listened to um, the audio while I was driving because I had one of my kids taking art classes up at the University of Maine, and I had to go and pick her up. So I would be like, oh, I don't want to miss anything. So I took the TV and listened to it in the car. So um, I do remember the name Poindexter. It's the only other Poindexter I ever heard of, as far as I can recall. Okay, um, good crew in here tonight. I see Jean's here, Dottie, Desert Pete, James Ken, Val Am, Straight Shot, and... Uh, couple of guests that I don't know who they are, but maybe one of them is John, because sometimes John comes. Um, 
And let's see. Um, they're talking about some other things too mixed in, and it's hard for me to see which one it is. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of wondering who these people were. I don't know if you saw the news tonight, but apparently a helicopter crashed in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii today. I think it was late afternoon, but I'm not sure because of the time difference and everything. Um, the helicopter was coming in and just basically dropped and it was making odd sounds and the back, uh, I forget what they call the back one, is it a rotor? The one that's on the tail had stopped or wasn't working right and uh, it just crashed and some people had saved whoever was on it. They all survived. I think one was in critical condition and the first thing I thought of was who was on it because um, that's how they can control who they kill off sometimes is just by using the electronics on the or what they call the avionics on these types of um, craft. So um, we had a, a helicopter crash in Maine that was suspicious, and it was the first thing that Field McConnell said to me when I said we had one. Is we had a plane crash here. It was a guy who was against smart meters. Um, what do you think? And he said, Did it have FADEC on it? FADEC is the mechanism that will operate the aircraft and or helicopter um, using electronics. So um, it'll be interesting to see who survived the helicopter crash in Pearl Harbor because apparently it was a tour type of uh, thing. There were, I think they said six people on it. So the pilot was doing a tour and the other five people were the passengers. So whoever they were traveling over the um, Pearl Harbor Memorial, I think. All right, I think we're done with Scalia. Okay, moving on. Um, Hillary barking and coughing. Um, Howie Carr had a great time with this this week. Um, he said they couldn't have found anything more funny to drop into their lap to use to um, make a joke about her. Um, she she um, was talking about every time somebody lies, you know, someone could bark at them. So this is the introduction to the show that they made on the fly on the 16th, so two days ago. Um, and they said they were going to develop it more because they're certainly not going to lose the momentum on how ridiculous Hillary Clinton sounded. So here, i got to let you listen to it because it's too darn funny. It's not very long. It was the entrance to their show each hour that day, the 16th of February. So let me get it going. Crank up your speakers if you have to. Let me know if you can't hear it because I will be uh, away from my headset. So just a second. I mean, type it that you can't hear it if you can't because I won't hear you say anything because I'm on the phone and nobody's on the phone with me. So here you go. Strap yourself in. It's time for the Howie Car Show. I'm not sure how you do that with a phone. You know, we, we get that dog and follow, follow him around, and every time they say these things, like, oh, you know, this is just a dog, like, what? You know? Unchained and 
You know, I want the American people to learn as much as uh, we can about the work that I did with uh, our diplomats and our development experts. <coughs> Nothing that I did was wrong. It was not, it was not in any way prohibited. <coughs> I responded right away and provided all my emails that could possibly be work-related. Who's your captain? Howie Carr. Yankees fan, too? Well, now, the fact is, I've always been a Yankees fan. Um, I thought you were a Cubs fan. I am. I am a Cubs fan. We came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. Come again? You know I don't speak Spanish. In English, please. And uh, I remember landing under sniper fire. There was supposed to be some kind of a greeting ceremony at the airport, but instead we just ran with our heads down to get into the vehicle. Rump swabs, hacks, and moon bats beware. It's Howie Carr. developing it and they were asking for, you know, the certain types of dog barking, like there has to be a bigger breed dog barking for the bigger lies. And then they'd have like little small yip yips and stuff for just the small little white lies. And they were playing with it and having just a blast doing it. So, you know, it's just showing that people are losing their, um, their edge by the fact that the lies are coming out. They can't continue to um, denigrate other people or, you know, continue to lie about what they've been uh, getting away with recently without people calling them on it. And, uh, you know, it's like a gift. It's like handed to you. Here you go. I just made a fool of myself. Um, and uh, what are you going to do about it? So the tables are turning, I believe. So we shall see what happens with that. So anyway, that was the Howie Carr show introduction that day at the beginning of each hour, and then they had a lot of people calling in too, talking about it. Um, she just she can't stop herself. I don't think she even knows what she's saying. Sometimes it's just whatever will make that particular crowd like her. So there's that one. Um, I don't know if I gave you the one that I read previously, so I'm going to go see. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. Main Republic email alert. That's right. Okay, I gave you that one. All right, so that was the Hillary one. And uh, every day, Howie Carr is on at 3 o'clock Eastern Time until 7 o'clock Eastern Time. And there's a lot of regional politics. Obviously, there was a lot going on during the New Hampshire primaries. Um, But Howie also has a summer home in Florida or a vacation home, I guess I should say. Um, he knows Donald Trump, uh, Ann Coulter, et cetera, from West Palm Beach, I believe, as well as in the national realm. These are, I'm not saying those are people that you'd necessarily look up to or anything, but I'm saying that he has sometimes insider information that other people don't have from being friends with some of these people. How he has a really unique take on how things 
are going because he takes phone calls from average people just calling in. He has phone numbers. Um, he has something that he calls the chump line, which they do every day shortly after 5 o'clock p.m., where people can call in and and basically say whatever they want. Um, it is edited. Um, it is selected before it goes on the air because some people, as you know, will use it as an opportunity to swear. Um, but people call in and they've made up songs, you know, to go with the current events. I mean, it's really very entertaining. Fridays um, after the chump line and a few more minutes go by, they do something called Facts Friday, which is um, the police blotter type stories that are, you know, show the ridiculousness of criminals. And um, just, you know, it could be about any topic, basically. Mostly it's of news of the day. I find it entertaining because of that, and a lot of times I will only hear it for a few minutes, which will be probably from maybe 4.30 till about 5.30 so that I can hear some of the um, types of comments being made and also hear the chump line because I enjoy the chump line. Someday I may call into it. You never know. So that is um, the link to his show is showing above, howiecarshow.com. And there's usually a poll question, too, of the day. So, And they're usually political, but not always. Um, let's see. I don't know what Hillary's problem is with the coughing. Some people think she has a serious medical issue. I'm not sure. People also do that type of thing when they're very stressed out from things going on. And uh, maybe she realizes that she's coming to the end of her powers and it's affecting her. I'm not sure. Okay, next. Uh, there was a new Neil Keenan this week. Um, and it was somebody saying that Neil needed to add other people, have them help him, because it's time to get everything done. Um, last week I read the article or or whatever, I guess it was a posting that Neil Keenan did himself, which was on uh, Malaysia, and that the um, president, I guess they call him the president in Malaysia, was um, under threat, basically, because they were going to be taking the, the money interests in the world, were going to be taking advantage of Malaysia, and Malaysia was going to end up with zero while the, you know, the controllers would get a large percentage of it, and uh, World Bank would get some of the money and everything, but they were basically, it was going to end up like looting Malaysia's treasury. Well, um, the thing is that when you have people coming in late on any type of uh, plan that someone's working on, you never know whether or not they're the Trojan horse. They're, you know, they're bringing somebody so they can control what happens, or if they really are there to help. So um, the newest the newest posting where somebody came in and said they were Asian insider and uh, wanted Neil to take help. Um, there were some answers to there were some comments that excuse me, and one of them was Neil. So I'm looking for that because that was the one that I found the most interesting was his response in the comments. Okay. Um, someone right before him was saying um, that it's 
very Peter before him said it's very difficult in this kind of work to trust anybody before you realize the Trojan horse has been admitted. Patience and security are the prime ingredients for this type of enterprise. And uh, that was written yesterday. And then Neil Keenan said, glad you recognize this, Peter. I did not want anything out in the open, and those that do are jeopardizing my team's lives. What the insider did was in good faith and trying to get me some help. I get it, but what I do not get is why I open it so everyone knows your business. Why ask others for help when you are the family and you control the assets? Understandably, they made it clear to me right from the outset that I would be on my own financially, and I accept this, but don't come in and make things rougher on people who do not have the means to help. Don't think for one second that I'm doing nothing. I'm doing plenty, and it does not mean asking the average person for money. I refuse to do this when it is those people I am working my ass off to assist. They are the ones that need help. So I might respond with a video, but for now I want to say to the outsider, you make a lot of noise and created a lot of unnecessary work in explaining for me when, in fact, I never had anyone to explain to at all. If he knew what I was doing, he would have left well enough alone. Yes, it might take a while, but it will be over with soon and my way, not anyone else's. Anyone who slides into our team has to be a fit. So, um, once again, we don't know any of this stuff first person, not one bit of it, but it's just another thing to put well, we used to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it, or put that in your hat, or you know, hold that aside for later for if you see something else happening. It's just another little piece, that's all. So um, use your own discretion, basically. Okay, so um, um, I'm looking at um, Dottie's link, and uh, I was going to mention Dottie had a show last night. I was really, really sad because I waited all day for it. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, she's going to do a show. I can't wait. And I went in early. I thought, I was like, I've got my tea. About 10 minutes to 9, I'm all set. And I went into the talk shoe, and they were just wrapping it up. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so mad that I missed it. Well, it was an hour earlier than they had been doing their shows previously, and I'd forgotten that she was going to do it earlier. <laughs> I was so upset. Anyway, I've listened to part of it today. It was a really good one. And uh, definitely uh, get in there and listen to that. That's on your homework list. Um, there were uh, there was Tom DeWeese and um, Mike Gill who were on with her talking about issues regarding property and uh, deeds and that type of thing, and whether or not this uh, this uh, legislative document, an act to update the validation of miscellaneous defects and defective acknowledgments in the conveyance of real estate, uh, March 10th, 2015, whether or not this was uh, our legislature's act to cover up fraud that had taken place previously, since the only real change on it was a date from 2000 to 2013. So that's on our burner to get back to also. <clears throat> um, and all right. Um, I looked at Anna von Wright to see if she had anything new because 
somewhere along the line in the last day or two. I'll just give you the link to it because it was a video. Um, I don't know if I saw this on Able. I think I saw this on Able Danger as a link, but I'm not positive of that. As I said before, I go around and I look in different locations for things to see if there's a little bit of information that can be verified. So um, I'm not positive of where I saw it, but this is the video that I watched this morning, I think it was. Um, and the title of it is, um, let me type it in. This will be in the chat, uh, in the chat grabber if somebody goes to get it. Assassination attempt on General Dunford. Let's see, because I've got the thing open underneath my General Dunford. I'm just going to put dot dot dot. Um, whoever did this claimed that there had been an assassination attempt on General Dunford, and that he was not easily uh, flappable. Um, he is supposedly, according to some of the documents that people have filed, he's supposedly like the interim president of the um, original America, United States, because um, these bankers had tried to claim our assets by saying that um, we had vacated, our, you know, our government had vacated, and um, Anna von Wright and others, I guess, working with her, uh, filed paperwork um, saying, no, we haven't, we're still here, and um, claimed rights under the last man standing <clears throat> to um, the assets. And we've talked about that in previous weeks. Um, her her um, website is annavonwrights.com. It's actually put up by someone else for her to put her writings all in one place because they're scattered about. And uh, she has done, let's see, um, trying to get to the bottom here. She has done 172 different uh, postings. Some of them are documents, some are letters, some are just opinions. Um, I think the last one I read was um, Probably the update, I think I read last week, number 169, somewhere in there. And um, now she has uh, the need to dismantle the machine, answer to Ralph Kermit, Winter Road, and anyone else who thinks I am not a judge, letter of support for Sheriff Palmer, Grant County, Oregon, and the last one, me and the NLA by Anna Von Wright. I don't know what the NLA is. She refers to it in that article. But I'm just saying it as more background material to look at because we're seeing things going on almost in a, um, a um, like a frenzied way. That's my opinion. It seems like every day there are several things going on that are like, okay, what is that? Are these individuals throwing each other under the bus because they want to climb up on top of the pile? Or is something going on and they're panicked and they have to get certain things done by a certain date? And um, it seems it seems like it's plausible and likely 
that things have to get done by a certain date. And the reason I'm saying that is because I believe everybody sees the fact that things are collapsing and they want either the bragging rights that they got it collapsed or they want to make sure it doesn't collapse so that they can continue to profit or whatever their motivations are. I think they know that whatever they're going to have to do, they got to go all in at this point. We're at the end of the poker game and it's, you know, the faces aren't working anymore. People are starting to get into it and, you know, they have to get into it and end it, <laughs> get it over with one way or the other. So, um, so we just have to keep watching. We have to keep watching at this point and uh, take what we know to um, use our own brain to figure out what we think is happening, and then get together and talk about that. Okay, number five, we're everywhere. That was just my little pep talk. We're everywhere. There's people everywhere. They know what's going on because we can see it from everywhere. So if we tell each other about it and talk about it, we're going to know more. But we're everywhere. There's people everywhere that care about the United States, that care about the people, care about humanity in general, um, don't like what's going on don't want to see the entire globe turned into like a gulag. And um, I think more and more people are starting to speak up because if they can't do it directly, they're leaking it somewhere. So just listen and watch. If you know people that work in certain areas or certain types of industries, um, they may be talking about something and just drop some little you know, thing like, hey, you know, our company is going to Mexico or whatever. And, our boss was down there this week or whatever. Those little pieces add up, and then you can kind of see what the plans are. Okay, and number six, Chris Ann Hall. Um, she was the one that was out there in Oregon talking with uh, David Fry, the last holdout at the refuge. Um, she did a marvelous job. People kind of put her down and said, you know, she wasn't a professional and all these things, and she... But she was there. She was the one that was there to offer whatever she could. Um, I listened to her for hours that day. She did a wonderful job, in my opinion. I need to catch up with what she's doing lately because she has been um, educating legislatures. And she was talking about the last I heard her speak, which I believe was that day, actually, when she was talking to David Fry. Um, she was talking about how many states had been um, educated, basically, that she'd done done uh, her conference or seminar or whatever it was with. And I think there were like five of them. So I need to catch up with Chris Ann Hall, and I'm probably going to be doing that the next, the next thing that I get into. Okay, number six. Uh, where's number six? Got dots all over my paper here. On number six, maybe I skipped it. I don't see any number six, so I'm going to skip it. Number seven, Dotties, property rights, deeds, documents, papers, and banks, and that. Um, she put up her links to that. I already said that I wished I'd been there. Um, so. I think just look at her link on that, Unmasker for Maine. She would have everything related to that on there. 
And also, make sure you listen to that show from last night because it was really excellent. Like I said, I got halfway through it today, and I had to go do something. But I will be finishing that, and it was good as far as I heard it. So I expect it probably was good all the way through. All right, number eight on my thing. Let's see. Um, Able Danger has had a lot of outages while they've been trying to put the program on the last two or three times. Uh, People weren't sure what's going on. But there was a big Comcast outage, and I'm not sure if it was actually interference with the program or actually Comcast outages because people don't seem to understand that networks talk to each other. It's not just jumping from my house to yours. Um, It's going over a network. And if there's interruptions in the networks or if something has had to be rerouted, so that there's way more in the pipe now, then that's going to affect the speeds and maybe streaming doesn't work as well. So even though we have a good reason to, we don't have to always jump to the conclusion that we're being shut up because they could shut us up at any time, as you know. It's not hard. So um, so that was something I just want to mention. Let's see. Number nine, uh, the Apple iPhones. Um, All kinds of people jumping on the bandwagon that uh, Tim Cook should make sure that the FBI gets backdoor into everyone's iPhones. My question would be, and I'm going to make sure that I say this everywhere I get a chance to, uh, who pays for this phone? Who pays for the phone? I don't have one right now. I don't have a cell phone. I got rid of it. But when you think about what an iPhone is or what the smartphones are, they are a computer in your hand. Everything that you do on there, if you live your life on there, you send a message to your grandmother, you do your banking, talk to friends, whatever it is, do you really think that the FBI needs to have a backdoor into that so that they can go in and walk around and look at anything they want to? There's a reason why we have probable cause. There's a reason why we need to get warrants for searches, and I know they changed a lot of things after 9-11 and the Patriot Act came in, but to me, um, you know, this is a commercial thing. At least that's what they tell us. An iPhone is something you bought to use, and it's for you. It's not for them. If they want to buy one for everybody and say, hey, if you want to use this, it's ours. We'll look at it anytime we want, then that's fine. But come on, let's get real. You let them have control of something that is so in, you know, embedded into your life every day for most people. I don't use one, as I said. But it's so embedded into your life every day, and, and they're going to come in and tell somebody that, that it's not secure, you have to let us have it. And the other aspect to it is, too, is that Bluffdale, Utah is collecting all data, all of it, every last drop. And for them to be putting these shows, these um, programs or comments or people's opinions all over television about the Apple iPhone, to me is just trying to um, have the masses believe that they can't already get everything they want which I doubt is true. Somewhere today I saw it written that um, this particular phone that they supposedly are talking about nonstop, about the San Bernardino um, perpetrator, his phone, um, was that the data was given to the FBI, that they actually gave it to them. So it's a moot point on that particular individual phone. I haven't heard that in the media anywhere, and I have not seen it confirmed. So that's something to look into also, whether or not they did get the data from that phone regardless. Okay, something I meant to mention last week, this is number 10. told you I had a lot. 
um, the main atlas and gazetteer is a is a um, an atlas that's a, a map book with all kinds of other things in it, like uh, information about parks and historical sites and things like that. Um, Delorme publishes it. It's a large map company that um, has been in Maine for years. It's you know it's one of the things that I would say I, is identified with Maine quite a bit is the mapping. Uh, many, I, I think they may have every state um, mapped with these same type of books, and they are usually called like you know Vermont Atlas and Gazetteer. So if you've seen one in your state, likely it was published by Delorme. Uh, Delorme was recently sold to Garmin, and I don't believe they're going to be doing a print atlas book anymore. I believe it's going to be all electronic. So if you want one of those, you better get it because I think they're going to go rare. I went and bought one this week to make sure I had an extra one. Uh, people, most people in Maine that travel the roads <laughs> at, you know, at all frequently have one of these in their car. Because if you're up a road and you want to know if there's a shortcut somewhere or you want to know what freaking road you're lost on, you can pull out your main atlas and you can see exactly where you are. Um, so that was just something I was going to mention last week and forgot. Another another main company um, being sold, kind of sad. All right, I think that was all of my numbered list here. I said I didn't see number six, so if it's buried, oh well, it's gone. So I'm just going to look through this real quick and see if I got everything so I can put this aside. Um, yeah, the Able Danger show from yesterday was only 20 minutes long, and it was full of skipping and stuff where things were missing. They were talking a lot about uh, such things as whether or not uh, Obama went to Texas on a private plane with Scalia. Um, Oh, something I wanted to mention, if you've got any money aside and you can spend money, go buy one of those electric pressure cooker pots. Oh, my gosh. We've used ours three times, and uh, we love the outcome, making soup and things like that. It costs $99 at Bed Bath & Beyond. I never shop at those places, but I heard so many rave reviews, and I knew it would save a lot of money over time from making uh, inexpensive cuts of meat and just vegetables and stuff into really good food, and I'm talking really nice food. We had pea soup for supper that was fantastic, and it was made with very little money. 99-cent bag of split peas, some carrots, onions, um, chopped up leftover ham, and the pressure builds up in about 20 minutes, and then it cooks for 20 minutes, and then you let the pressure off, and you've got this fantastic soup, and you didn't have to soak it. You didn't have to pick over the peas. Nothing. The peas, the split peas went in raw. Could not believe how good it came out. So, you know, if you can get somebody to get one for you or you can find a way to get a 99-cent pressure, electric pressure cooker, I'm telling you, you would save a lot of money just from the fact that you can throw in probably a tough cut of meat chopped up and throw some vegetables in and you've got a fantastic soup. Or throw in a whole chicken or whatever. That's my... Uh, discovery of the last few weeks because people were raving over it. Okay, so um, we've got uh, people in the chat room are talking about uh, the various um, 
various topics. Um, I see the LEBJ, which I think might be Leon. Street Atlas software program by Delorme has every road in the USA. Click on a street and see who lives on it. Yep. Really interesting um, resources put out by Delorme. Very, very helpful. Um, if you have a location that you need to find and you, you just have no idea where it is, you can find it that way pretty easy. Um, the thing with having the Atlas directly in the car with you, if you are out of range of a cell tower or you know, you're lost, uh, the electronics aren't going to help much. And um, it's kind of like when, when they got rid of the um, card catalogs and libraries and all the librarians were saying, you're going to be sorry, you're going to wish you had them. Well, you know, most of the time your card catalog on the computer is working and everything's fine. But one thing that was lost was the serendipity of going into the card catalog to look up something and finding something you didn't expect. Because a computer will go directly there. It won't take the side road. So if you look for a particular book, you're not going to find other books like it. You're just going to find that one book that you were looking for. And so a lot of times it doesn't help you branch out very well. But anyway, that's a side note. And that's just something that's a little sentimental for a librarian. So. Um, so, um, yeah, the people are still, they're talking about uh, different liberty topics in the chat right now. So there's things that I don't know what they're actually talking about, but they're having conversations, so that's great. All right, I'm going to look at my links one more time, see if there's anything in here that I missed that was really important. Oh, uh, something I wanted to mention regarding the corruption issue, um, just because that's one of our things we're watching in other states as well. Um, Boston Globe had an article yesterday, and Howie Carr mentioned it. The FBI raids Canton Law Office, Senator Brian Joyce. Um, something that I thought might be interesting to look into, because Massachusetts is not that far from Maine, and there's a lot of connections. To Maine, so that was one that I saved to read later. I haven't read it yet, so I'll give you the link to that. So if you're doing any corruption studying, you might see if there's any similarities in this particular one. I just like seeing that there's action being taken somewhere. Just please do something about the fact that we have lawlessness going on. Do something. You know, just do something. Let's see somebody go to jail or at least be dragged out of their office or something. Because you get to the point where it feels like they're so interconnected that nothing's ever going to happen. And uh, it's really, really irritating. Um, oh, here's another link that I was saving when I went looking for why the Pope was in Mexico or where he was exactly on which days. And I found this link of his itinerary, um, in case you can use it for any reason. Here's the Pope's itinerary. Um, and like I said, it was planned, I believe, in December. So that. Um, fetal cells, I saw that story again, fetal cells in foods, drinks, and flavorings. Um, I believe this is true, whether or not it's in particular products that have been told about, I'm not sure. 
I don't follow as much on the nutrition things as like Val-Am does, um, but I believe they are using it as flavor enhancer, and I do believe that um, it's, well, I should say it's plausible and likely in my opinion, but I have to always say my opinion because I don't know for sure, that um, people that think it's okay to um, consume humans or human products or whatever these elitists do that they think brings them power, um, I believe that it would be consistent with their behavior and their belief system to do such a thing as to put fetal cells into food products because um, they're psychopathic in nature and they like to see that they've made you join them whether you knew you were or not. So in a way, this is... Um, you know, putting this out so that everybody sees it is like saying, how oh, you knew about it. You were just too stupid to do anything about it. So, and the rest of that is, if you were as smart as me, then you'd be as successful as I am. So, um, I did go back and look at some of the um, links from last time that people put in there. I did go look at the FBI press conference that Vellam gave a link to last week, which re related to Oregon. And I have not had a chance to go back and see what's going on this week in Oregon, but I will get back to it because it's important that we keep track of that. Um, just to, you know, see what's, what's what out there. How it affects everybody. Um, I've got a cartoon here that... Um, don't know where I got it. It's called Prophetic Cartoon Warning of Socialism and Communism. It was put on YouTube August 14, 2012. It says, um, this is the blurb that went with it. This is an interesting 1948 political cartoon promoting freedom through the modern viewer, though the modern viewer will be confused. The film starts by explaining our freedom and then introduces four people representing labor, management, politicians, and agriculture. Then Dr. Utopia shows up trying to sit, sell his ISM product to only be interrupted by John Q. Public. The promises Dr. Utopia makes to each person seems to indicate that his ISM could be up to four different forms of government as the pitches he makes to labor and management are practically opposite to each other. Labor is clearly communism and the state concentration camp number five sign, hint, at the ISM being given to politicians being fascism, leaving the viewer to try and figure out if the ISM-isms are being given management and agriculture, are being given management and agriculture are different aspects of these two or something else entirely. Not very grammatical, so I'm not sure I read that right. John Q. Public's warning speech at the uh, at the about anyone trying to pit us, well, that doesn't make sense either, uh, trying to pit us against each other via class warfare, race hatred, or religious intolerance reinforces the idea that Dr. Utopia's ISM-ism is not just one form of government. So, this is interesting. It was a really old cartoon. looks very familiar to those of us born back in the late 40s, early 50s, because we, we saw this type of stuff all the time, including at school. They showed us these things to um, get us going. 
regarding, what did I say it was, socialism and fascism or something. Now I don't remember the title, but there you go. It'll give you an idea if you go back looking for it. Okay. Um, wow. All right. Uh, Rumor Mill News had an article te about a Texas town where there was corruption and everybody on, like, the council or whatever was arrested. So it's another corruption story. Let's see if it's still here. Just looking through the headlines on pages. On Rumor Mill News, if you read a, a short section of an article, usually it will tell you if you want to see the whole article, you can click on it and read more. So I'm going to go to the read more and see if it goes directly to the article, the entire thing. Good, because it usually does. Hello. I'm going to start singing Jeopardy songs in a minute. Do, 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 do. Maybe they took it down. Is it still loading? Just a minute. It went back to the rumor mill. Maybe it's not going to show me. If it doesn't, I'll just give you the rumor mill one and you can go look for it again. Fox News, it says, Latino. Oh, Fox News. February 5th, 2016. Almost every top official in Texas City arrested in federal corruption case, but it's not connecting. So I'm going to go back. Oh, wait. Just when I said that, then it showed up. Copy. Come in the chat and paste. Tom got tired. There's that one. Uh, should show in the. Um, yep, it shows in the link what it is, so you'll know. Hi, <clears throat> Rumor Mill. Oh, so if I crash, I'll be right back, because you never know. It's possible I'll crash. I've got too much stuff open. I'm going to close some of these windows. I forgot I had open. Anna Von Wright's is open still, and Barking Hillary is still open. No wonder it wouldn't load. Okay, the cartoon is open. Um, which one I'm looking at now because... Oh, Senator Brian Joyce. I gave you that one, right, from... Boston Globe. Close that. Back to just almost every top official in Texas town. Got that one too. So close that one. There. Now they're all closed. All right. I'm almost to the bottom of my links page. Um, Canada sells nearly half of all its gold reserves. A lot happened this week. Globalnews.ca. CA is Canada, so I think Global News is an okay site. Um, it says uh, Canada sells off large chunks of its gold reserves by Monique Moise, February 10, 2016. Um, it says um, 
Government of Canada sold off large chunks of its gold reserves in recent weeks, continuing a pattern of moving away from the precious metal as a government asset. According to the International Monetary Fund's International Financial Statistics, Canada held three tons of gold reserves as of late 2015. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, there's a graph showing who has the gold. Or is that how much gold it is? Let's see. I don't know. I can't really read it. I just, you know, anything that has to do with the sovereign country's gold reserves to me seems to be important. <laughs> and, uh, you know, others may differ, but um, I feel much more secure knowing there's something real sitting there other than a bunch of uh, digits on a computer program. So there's the one about the gold. Here's the article about the DeLorme main atlas and gazetteer. This is from the Bangor Daily News. They did a little story on it. It has a picture of what it looks like, too. It's actually like a blog. There's more interest more information on that. If you're one of those people that likes to be in the outdoors and have your book of maps with you. About DeLorme. All right. So let's see. Do I have anything left? Have I left a stone unturned? We've talked about food. We've talked about the political scene. We've talked about candidates as much as we can stomach for bunch of basically looks like junior high children running for student council instead of people running for president. But these these days, as we're coming to learn, it doesn't even matter who's in that office because apparently they have all kinds of time to go play golf and stuff, and they don't even have to go to funerals. So tell me what they're doing. They're just following the directions. Any of us could do that. Hey, I could go sit there and have somebody tell me what to do, and I just go do it very easy to be a puppet and have somebody hand you a big check. So I think I covered everything that I intended to. So I feel really good. It took me a long time, though, because it's been like an hour and a half. So um, <laughs> Desert Pete, I heard they've closed off that leak out there in Porter Ranch, finally. I don't know how they did it. Maybe they just concrete over the entire area and they're not going to grow any uh, plants or trees anymore. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, are you calling in tonight or do you have energy to call in tonight and want to talk about something? Um, UDA is mental vaccine. That's funny. I, UDA stands for Orient, no, Observe, Orient, Decide, Act. So we've been doing a lot of observing. We've been orienting. We've been deciding. We've been acting. I think we have a pretty active group here that actually works on things. We actually care enough to do something. So Uda sounds like a stinky cheese. That's correct. And after all, hat, hat on feet means, I mean, what it means is not what it means. What I would say the meaning of life is, is that cheese is why we live. 
that's my joke. I always say cheese is why we live. Because if I could have only one food for the rest of my life, it would be cheese. I love cheese. Better than chocolate. Waiting to see if Desert Pete's going to call in. So, waiting for the telephone icon to come on, which means I'm here now. Then I'm going to put a cough drop in my mouth and I'm going to drink water because I'm thirsty now. Pea soup makes you thirsty. <laughs> Hello, Desert Pete. I'm unmuting you, but it's not going. Just a minute. Click there. How are you? Uh, pretty good. My uh, connection might be scratchy tonight. We had rain yesterday, and that's when all the phones go down in town. So. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. No, you sound pretty good to me. Okay. Well, so far, so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, restating a few things you already mentioned on, on uh, Scalia's death. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised surprised I haven't heard any of the regular talk show hosts just hammering away on this. A uh, a pillow over the head is a calling card that Mossad is noted for. And the the and that that's just not hearsay. That was uh goes back to I think it was 2012. There was a uh an alleged Hamas terrorist that uh Mossad traced to a ho- to a fancy hotel in Dubai, and so Mossad, well, Israel sent Mossad in with a, a team of assassins. I think it was ultimately 22 they had uh, had traced down. Uh, and the last uh, three of them were caught on security cameras, going right to this uh, Hamas leader's room, killing him in his room. And then they came out laughing and stepped to the elevator and disappeared. And the trademark that they left when uh, when Dubai authorities came in was a pillow over the guy's head. That is a Mossad calling card. I was going to say, it certainly sounded like it the minute I heard it. Because it's like they hadn't even really shown anything, but someone just said it. That's all. Yeah. They just said it. The man that owned the the ranch said it. Right, and Poindexter was then asked about that a day later, and he started backpedaling. Well, why did he even mention it? Sometimes why did he I term think it that way? It by mistake, because it's in their mind and it just comes out. Yeah, but yeah. Quite, quite often, the the first remark is is well, old expression, the Freudian slip. Yeah, and, uh, it's the closest to the truth you're going to get because people haven't had a chance to think of the implications yet. Right, and and so. to uh, to reweave a, a a new twist of the story and such. So, uh, which raises the next question: Why is Netanyahu? Why was Netanyahu scared to death of Scalia? What was going on there? Uh, I, I didn't I don't know, know that. Pardon? I didn't know that. Well, if it was a Mossad assassination, that would be called for by Netanyahu. And uh, I'm... Well, Netanyahu's been making a fool of himself for years. 
So I don't know which one of his tirades would would relate directly to Scalia. Well, there were there was something going around on Facebook where there were like six or seven different things that Scalia was working on or writing opinions on, and they were all important things. So yeah. I, when I see it again, because I forgot to save it, I will write those down. But they were um, they were important issues that were coming up that the globalists don't want, and that the progressives don't want, and that the UN doesn't want. So there were, you know, there were multiple things. It wasn't just one. Yeah. Uh, so Mossad is the only one that I could prove. But I mean, just go to a Wikipedia story of of uh, Mossad assassination Dubai. Just search that and find the Wikipedia story, and that 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 reviews the whole uh, the whole project there. And it mentions the uh, the final use of, of suffocation by by the pillow. Uh, so even right. Wikipedia will will confirm that end. So that's not a desert peat uh, pie in the sky rumor. Uh, the uh, the other thing I would bring up of does anybody else leave that kind of a calling card? I've never watched enough uh, Godfather movies to know what their calling cards were. One of them was the head of a horse. Well, I saw enough of that that particular movie to know the head of the horse was the particular racehorse owned yeah. by the guy whose head it was in the bed of. Yep. And it was not so I read much... the book. It was one of the scariest books I've ever read in my life. The movie was scary, but the book was worse. The book was scarier than the movie, believe yeah. it or not. But... From what little I remember from from that portion of the plot was that that was the this horsing racehorse owner was uh, being threatened by the mob, and he was standing up and that no he was he was more macho than they were, and uh, it, it was common knowledge that the. Uh, the racehorse owner's prized possession was this particular racehorse that had won I don't know how many things in a row on him. And Khartoum. So, his name was Khartoum. Okay. And it it was his racehorse's horse's head that was in bed there. Yeah. So so it was a direct slam against this one particular individual. So I'm not sure that a horse's head is a, a mafia trademark for everybody. That's true. It was only a calling card for the guy to know. That yeah. it was his horse, uh, so he knew who it was that did it. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the other comment I've heard from uh, uh, mafia goons turned good or something that did radio interviews and whatnot was uh, one of their trademarks is to get a dead fish in the mail. Is a warning that you're you're soon going to be sleeping with the fishies. Uh, so that's a mafia trademark. But the pillow over the head that. All I know for sure is that traces back to Mossad, uh, well, as as with the statement that we told you to shut up and you didn't. Yeah, and and the fact that the guy mentioned it may have been um, inadvertent, or it may have been that he knew that he was supposed to say those words for the media. Yeah. So. Oh. Uh, that's yeah. when I would go back and look at his demeanor when he said it and look at his face, whether or not I believe he knew what it meant or if he was puzzled by it. Because 
those of us that read faces really well know when somebody's putting something on. And yeah. a lot of them, a lot of us are mothers or teachers because we've seen lots of kids' faces. Uh, I forget the fellow's name, but he's a guest that Jeff Rents has on frequently, who studies reverse speech. Oh. And he ca he quite often catches uh, the the moment, as we say, the the first time they mention something, and plays the comment backwards, and it kind of reveals whether the fellow's stretching the truth or. Uh, or, or reinforcing what he what he honestly believes. Uh, so you're right. When when he made that statement to the uh, to the media of of the pillow over the head, I wish there was a, a microphone rolling at that time, just to uh, to see how what kind of word inflections he used at, at that point. But but following the train of thought, even if the pillow over the head was also a mafia trademark. We've also known from, once again, interviews of, of captured mafioso, mafiosos that have done time is that every Italian mob in the country uses a Jewish bagman. And he says there's a Jew involved in every every Italian mafia in, in the country, or the, or the world for that matter. And he further elaborated, uh, we, we keep hearing the term the Sicilian mob, and you think, well, that's just a neighborhood in Italy. Sicily, he said, is primarily a mixture of Italian and Jews. Italian one spouse and Jewish the other spouse. Uh, so when it's somebody from the Sicilian portion of, of Italy, they're assumed to at least be half Jewish. So Jews have got dirty fingers in everything on the planet. And not not to to overdwell on 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 that issue like we've spent way too many hours on in the past, but uh, but they've got some some explaining to do for uh, for all the criminal activities that are going on there. Uh, so yeah, I, I just had to point out that uh, the everybody just needs to be shouting from the rooftops, the pillow over the head. That was a calling card. There's there's no debate about it. So. Uh, We'll leave it at that. Um, you made mention of a helicopter. I've only had one helicopter story this last week. I uh, heard one go overhead, and I stepped outside and watched it, and it uh, flew directly to uh, one of the gold mines up here. That, really? Uh, that has been uh, inactive. It was an active gold mine when I moved up here, uh, but then, for whatever reason, they they shut down three or four years ago, and it's kind of been sitting there dormant. What well, looks like the owners are about to get active again, because that was a uh, a corporate uh, Bell Jet Ranger that uh, that flew out there, and it uh, it went directly to that mine. I knew where it was at. Maybe they're going down into the bowels of the earth to live. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well. Okay, speaking of bowels of the earth, yeah. let's get to the, the freaky part of the what i got to say tonight. Uh, back on Moran Cash, and I'll, I'll hit the lighter topic first. I already commented it on the, um, in the chat board. Uh, not one of his workshops, so it's not an easy link to find, other than it might still be on his front page at the cash, cashfoundations.org. Uh, 
um, he did an interview with some lady. I don't know who she is or where she's from. Not a popular talk show host by any means. Um, and the subject of American politics came up. And he said one candidate in particular has no business in, in leadership anywhere, and that's Hillary Clinton. And he focused in and said when he was arrested in Canada, and yeah, this was was fact, uh, three or four years ago, uh, he came to give a lecture to some physicists or something in, in Canada, and he was simply arrested at the airport and put into solitary confinement for over a week, uh, I think nine or ten days, something like that. And he finally revealed, he, he never stated in prior lectures why Canada arrested him, but he did in this interview. And he said it was because Canada got a direct order from Hillary Clinton herself, arrest this man, he's a nuclear terrorist. Uh, what a bunch yeah. of baloney. I'm so, telling you, uh, she's got a lot more power than people think. Uh, well, he's obviously an enemy of Hillary Clinton's. Well, the fact she's still walking around tells you that. The fact because that he's got why yeah, would more... she still be rock, walking around otherwise? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um. Uh, so there was that, but uh, getting up to what's kind of relevant to me is he's still preaching a major disaster in L.A. Uh, come the month of April. Wow. I don't know. He's he's claiming the South American continent is going to be slipping by a few centimeters or sinking by a few centimeters centimeters and the pressure that a sinking continent stresses on the whole planet. Uh and he says the the snapping point is right right there at Panama. It's simple to look at it a map. That's that's the skinny point there. Uh but that it, it ripples and I guess the plate structures or whatever focuses on on Los Angeles. So, so he said this is the last time he wanted to mention it in this video. Well, every time everybody, every time anyone says this is the last time, well, it's not exactly the last time because it yeah, really. comes back. But but the point is, he was uh, he was quite emotional telling people to get out of California, and he feels that because of the the huge mass of land that's involved in this next uh, continental shift, uh, it could be triggering a tsunami as high as like 300 feet. Wow. Which which puts the the Fukushima tsunami to, to shame. Uh, so he's advising everybody to get away from all coastlines, primarily here in, in the West Coast, but that's a tsunami that goes all the way across the ocean. He says it could potentially wipe out Japan entirely, uh, or at least the populated areas of Japan. Is Japan mostly at sea level, or does it have mountains? Oh, it's got some huge mountains. Uh, Mount uh, Fujiyama. Mount Fuji, yeah, is is way up there. I, I don't know what it's altitude is. Do the people or... have any way to escape from the coast, or are they just... They're doomed. Yeah, air, they airplanes and airplanes and boats and, and oh. boats don't 
help all that much during a tsunami. So. So we're not talking about rolling land. We're talking about just mountains that stick up off the flat. So anyway, he was speaking in rather apocalyptic terms, and uh, he, he gets back to claiming that that's his his whole mission is to prepare man to get into outer space with his plasma technology, and to uh, feed and house the uh, uh, the survivors here on the planet. So. So what do you think he's doing? Do you think he's um, just I'm, I'm building s- up his profit, or he's actually a caring person about? I'm still perplexed on the guy, uh, okay. as I, I I still keep my disclaimer up there that uh, on on my web page I am continuing to post links over to his page and any news that I hear about I I put it up there in the advanced technology column column three. Uh, but I keep the disclaimer up there that I said he's a newsworthy individual. Not to be totally ignored, but at this point in time, I cannot really endorse his products. I have never used one. Uh, I haven't had the money to either buy a finished product, nor have I had the money to buy the components and make one myself. There are some very arrogant people out there who claim to have tried to make something at home, and of course it didn't work. Well, yeah, because they don't know how to fabricate anything. They they'd never get a job at Lockheed like I had, I'll put it that way. Yeah. They wouldn't la- they wouldn't last a week in the uh in the genuine advanced R and D that I've had to work with. Um but uh but the people have arrogant attitudes and uh oh if I slap this wire on that wire and, and I don't get instant power, well then then cash is a is a blatant fraud. Oh, baloney. Yeah, so uh, somebody <laughs> Well, I'll just say the, the sarcasm out there is uh, beyond uh, their own credibility, and it's obviously peanut gallery remarks coming from people who don't have a clue what they're talking about, and to claim that oh, the, these guys have got uh, electronic engineering degrees. Yeah, that's in electronics. You don't know squat about plasma. Plasma is a completely different technology, and uh, you better come at it from a nuclear physics aspect, and you might, you better come at it with an open mind nuclear physics aspect, because there were things taught in conventional nuclear physics that were blatantly wrong, and Cash is proving that it was wrong to begin with. That's why the atomic scientists of... Uh, 60, 70 years ago, could only make a bomb first. They couldn't make anything practical and usable for anybody. They didn't understand the atom uh, close enough. So uh, uh, they didn't understand the atom well enough to uh, to come up with something peaceful and productive. Uh, all they could realize was, was slamming a neutron into the middle of the atom and making a big bang, which is really rather barbaric if you look at it. Uh, but then again, that's 70 years of 2020 hindsight uh, to look back and criticize criticize those guys. Uh, so I'm I'm still hopeful. Uh, I tried to touch base with uh, with another Cash fan today, and, uh, and just got a repeat of what I already knew. 
in that uh, no, Cash is not delivering in the quantities that that he's talking about because he's got limited manufacturing right now. And not only does he have limited manufacturers, he's running in manufacturing facilities, he's running into quality control issues in that somebody on the assembly line didn't understand something particular to plasma physics and assembled something wrong and consequently uh, the end product didn't work. Uh, the One of the weirdest things I've seen or, or learned about in his connections is uh, in... In conventional electronic engineering, uh, alternating current actually rides on the surface of the wire and not in the middle of it. Uh, DC, on the other hand, travels in the middle of the wire, but AC travels on the surface. And high frequency alternating current, especially like microwave, that's. Are you still there? Uh, I am. Maybe I'm not. But you uh, just went quiet. Does it peep? Uh, am I st- still showing you on the phone, but I can't hear you? Uh, are you hearing me? I hear no. you now. Were you well, still talking, or did you take a long break? No, I didn't take a break intentionally. Okay, well, I didn't hear you for a second after you were talking about, um, let's see the um, current traveling on the wire, and then you said DC, on the other hand, is that okay. I didn't hear you. All right. Uh, conventional electronic engineering teaches you that uh, that uh, direct current electricity travels through the center of the wire, and alternating current uh, rides on the surface of the wire, almost out in the middle of the installation is where it's traveling. Um, but... Uh, in Kesh's nano-coated I lost super... you again. Oh, dear. Hello, hello. Bellingham is saying the sound is funny tonight, Ginger. I lost the feet again. Now I hear crackling. Uh, Well, I'm wiggling my phone connector. Well, I heard you now. Okay. You maybe, went dead before. Maybe that broke the corrosion. Okay. Uh, So in, in Kesh's... Uh, nano-coated superconductor wire, the physics reverses, and alternating current moves to the middle of the wire, and the DC travels on the surface. Well, that requires a completely different kind of connection, if whether you're wiring plasma or whether you're wiring electricity. So uh, anybody who, who tries to connect his system using conventional uh, electronic engineering uh, knowledge is going to have stuff that won't work. Uh, simple as that. And so that's yeah. why I have to laugh at the arrogance of, of a lot of his critics. So uh, so I'm, I'm still optimistic, and uh, time will tell uh, whether we can get something that, that works or not. Um, yeah, are you still having uh, freezing weather back uh you're part of the we've had we've had such odd weather. We had really really cold. Then we had um, mixed precipitation. We had rain. We had a we had a big storm where we had a lot of snow everywhere and ice and stuff. And then it rained. And now we are. Yesterday we had like in the Bangor area, people were having trouble walking on things and up towards northern Maine because the ice had like moisture on it. 
you know, melt or whatever or rained on top of it, depending on where you lived. And so it was really hard getting in and out. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And then today it was nice again. Yesterday it was warm, but it was bad. It was ice with rain or something. You know, it was like we've had really weird temperatures. I think it was up to 50 or so a day or two ago, and it had been down below zero within the previous week. So we've had, you know, up and down. It's school vacation week here, too, so a lot of people have gone, so it's kind of quiet. You know, the families, sometimes they'll take a trip, go to Florida or something when it's Mm. school vacation week. So, yeah, we've had weird weather. How have your temperatures been out Uh, there? As I said in the chat, our... uh I think our drought is over because we we do get occasional rains coming through here now. Uh, I don't know what's happening over in Las Vegas if uh, if Lake Mead is beginning to fill up again or not. I don't think yeah. we're getting that much rain, but uh, but at least uh, I don't see the cactus dying anymore. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that I noticed just a couple of days ago now is uh, flowers are starting to bloom in our front yard. So <laughs> we've had. Uh, We've had like a week of, of over 70-degree weather, and that's what brings the flowers out. So Yeah, we've had such a weird winter that I remember people posting things on Facebook like some of their uh, tulips and things were coming up, their early spring things. Not tulips, the earlier ones like snowdrops and, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, is it crocuses? We get some things really early, and then we start getting the tulips and the daffodils and all that a little later. Uh-huh. They were worried that it was going to kill off their 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 plants and flowers because it would freeze again over the top of it, and that's pretty much what happened. We had some really cold weather, and people went out ice fishing and getting on the lakes finally after all. You know, we've had such a odd winter, and then now it's all starting to melt again. So I think we've hopefully, you know, for the people that are heating, hopefully we've gone through the worst of it. We'll see. Yeah, the uh, the other thing on my list is uh, a fellow that's just come to my attention in the last few months. He he really sounds intelligent in his videos, but, man, he hits some off-the-wall topics. There's a guy by the name of Dr. William uh, B. Mount. Have, have I mentioned him before? Yeah. Um, he said I've something. I've started seeing some things of his lately. I just haven't gone in and actually watch them or read them. Yeah. But I've seen his name since you mentioned him. So yeah. He said something that sounds like a broad brush remark, but if you give it some thought, it makes a lot of sense. He's claiming that the Department of Homeland Security is a Vatican-controlled organization, directly Vatican, originated Vatican-controlled. Um, makes sense to me. Well, I started giving it some thought. When did we first hear about it? We heard about it from George Bush right after 9-11. George Bush is right out of Skull and Bones, Skull and Bones and their inauguration uh, for new members uh, teaches them utmost respect of the Pope. And and all Skull and Bones members answer to the Pope. Uh, The uh, Patriot Act was written where? Georgetown University? I wouldn't uh, be surprised. One, I don't one know of the, for sure. But. Yeah, one of the graduates of one of those Jesuit schools back east is who wrote the whole Patriot Act. 
uh, which set everything up. And then in comes Department of Homeland Security, which over the course of the next uh, year or so, uh, Department of Homeland Security swallowed up the the entire Department of Defense. Whoa, that should have raised eyebrows. But that just kind of happened in the background, and it never hit, made headlines anywhere. Well, because everybody was focused on, um, you know, how they could protect themselves, and um, they were sure that everything they were hearing in the media was true, and yeah. I can remember how the atmosphere was because, like I said, I knew something was wrong the day it happened. I knew it that day. I didn't yeah. have to wait for someone to tell me, hey, this is suspicious and that's suspicious because I already knew it. And there were other people that were like that. I'm sure you were probably one of them too, that something's not right here. Yeah. And so what is well, it, you know? Yeah, I've uh, when we get into the subject of... Uh, national sovereignty and is America still a government or is it a corporation and, and that ongoing debate uh, I, I just roll my eyes because so many historical dates are thrown at me I can't keep them straight as to which one was which uh, and amongst that debate I keep hearing the phrase oh the Pope owns everything well the Pope thinks he owns everything I don't think he really does uh and I've got it depends over... on what the meaning of is is. Well, that's it, yeah. Because um, that that big, uh, well, it was big as far as the document went. It was like a little booklet when I printed it out. But the one that I read from one night that Neil Keenan had posted was saying basically that the Pope is the head guy on the planet. He's the head of everything. He can say yes or no to things. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't know, but... We talked about who, who is who is the top person on the planet that's a, a human being that's alive, because there has to be somebody that's telling people what to do because they're all following somebody, and it makes sense because, like you said, just that, just even the skull and bones thing you said. Now that'll be in the back of my mind, but um, if they're telling people they have to respect the Pope, why? If you're not Catholic. I used to say that all the time. I go, why would I care that the Pope is coming to the United States? Why are they calling him the Holy Father on television in a secular society? Yeah. We're not Catholics, so he's not our Holy Father, you know. And so I would always wonder that. Why does he get all this um, pageantry and, you know, deference and respect and everything from everyone when other religious leaders don't? So, and the fact that there's the Vatican Library and no one ever gets in there, <laughs> you know, they don't get into the real stuff. No. So, is that the person who is representing humanity on some level that we don't understand and that they're the protector of the secrets of the planet or whatever, or the human that does it? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, we don't yeah. have any way of knowing that, but something is weird they have a lot of money. They're, the Vatican has riches beyond supposedly our wildest imagination, yet there's people suffering on the planet. So there's just all these weird, um, what do you call them? They're, they're, there's a word for it, but you know what I mean. They're weird uh, opposites. They're, they don't seem to 
pulled together. You know there's a word for that. I can't think of it. But Paradox or a dichotomy. Yes, that's it. A paradox. It's a paradox because there's plenty of money to feed people. So why is yeah. he walking around talking about the poor people and kissing their feet or whatever he does when he's not feeding them? Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. The world is so complex, you just don't expect anybody just stepping out of high school to understand it. But you no. think that the people running the government should know, but it's pretty obvious that half the ditzes in government don't have a clue what they're doing. They get pigeonholed in one little job, and that's all they want to do. And we've got Bureau of Land Management people who think that they have have right to use deadly force to... To con- to enforce their uh, their version of of what little law they think they're enforcing. Uh, th- th- this is insanity. Uh, handing guns to IRS agents, uh, handing guns to B- BLM. Uh, they have no right to use lethal force. There's no reason for that. Uh, then of course we now we've got the other issue is were those really even U.S. government agents up there killing Lavoie and and the ranchers and in the last standouts or were those mercenaries? That's another object for debate. But getting back to the Pope, we've got George Bush Jr. forcing Department of Homeland Security on the country under the auspices of the Patriot Act, written at a Jesuit university. And let's go back to the last Republican just prior to Bush. Uh, well, even the intermediary, uh, Bill Clinton and Rhodes Scholars, and that ties to uh, London corruption. But but jumping back to Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a closet Catholic. I, I learned that from uh, anth- uh, researcher Anthony Hilder that Ronald Reagan did photo ops at a Presbyterian uh, church out here, uh, Bel Air Prez, that he'd occasionally be seen there. But all of his business associates were high-level Catholic businessmen. And the old joke from the Godfather movies, when you hear the term Catholic businessman, that means they're part of the mafia. And uh, Reagan goes on record the U.S. had no diplomatic connections with the Vatican after the Lincoln assassination. The reason was uh, four conspirators were found. All four of the conspirators that enabled John Wilkes Booth to get into the, uh, uh, the theater that night, all four of the conspirators were Jesuits, and they were all hung. And the U.S. cut off all diplomatic relations with the Vatican from that point after Lincoln's assassination until Ronald Reagan comes on the scene. And Ronald Reagan reopened uh, reopened, uh, diplomatic uh, affiliation with the Vatican. So Reagan opens the door, and that lets the rats in. uh, And... George Bush ushers in the whole pack of dogs. And there comes uh, Department of Homeland Security, which uh, it's all making sense to me now. Yeah, Department of Homeland Security is being dictated to from the Pope. One of the Popes, at least. Is it the White Pope or the Black Pope? 
Not that either one is any better than the other. Uh, but that's that's a serious issue, and I'm I'm finally tying together. We, we've all heard underground conspiracies, but whenever you hear a, a conspiracy theory, there's seldom ever any immediate proof of the claim. And so you take it with a grain of salt, and, well, I might see the proof someday. Well, what I'm r- rattling off tonight, this is the proof. We got Ronald Reagan, matter of record, reopened negotiations with the Vatican, which had been closed off since Lincoln's time. That opened the door, and then in comes George Bush using a document written by by somebody from a a Jesuit university. I think it was Georgetown. Maybe it was George Mason. I forget which one, but it was one of those back east universities that was definitely Jesuit-controlled. George Bush uh, takes that document, uses that as the excuse to force Department of Homeland Security on the country. Department of Homeland Security then usurps the Department of Defense, consequently taking full control of all of our military. It's game over. Uh, we, We just had three traitors in a row between Reagan, Clinton, and Bush just handed over complete control of our country to uh, to foreign entities. And getting back to my Protestant comments on uh, on the Pope, the the best Protestant theologians I've I've always listened to uh, point out that the Vatican is nothing more than the leftover dregs of the old Roman Empire, and every Pope in history has just been a politician with uh, with a religious facade. And the crazy religion they come up with, with the dogma and, and the regalia, uh, the crazy uh, wardrobes they wear, and they wear, and the, the the stupid symbols on the pope's hats. Uh, one of the pictures I've got on my website shows uh, what people seem to think today is called the Star of David, is really the Star of Remphan which was condemned in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, And jumping ahead to a bizarre link, uh, as Kesh is explaining plasma physics, there is a way of assembling his super nanocoded wire and components to take control of a person's mind. And what is that shape? It's the star of Remphan. Hmm. Whoa. That was uh, a sobering thing to see Kesh go over that. And of course, he's just looking at it as a scientist. And well, and this, this will control your emotions and whatnot. And what was that? Yeah, that was the star of Remphan formation with, with his components. And oh, boy. What is this guy leading to? That's why I'm not going to give Kesha a 100% endorsement here. I don't know where this guy is leading this leading us to. It all sounds humanitarian and thus far, and that's why I continue to study well, that's it. Thing, some of the people that you know have been kind of in our consciousness for several years, and all of a sudden they start losing it. It's like, what the heck? What's going on here? Yeah. You know, um, I just I have learned so much in the past few years that I never would have thought in my wildest imagination would happen. 
know, just things that have, you know, daily there's something else and you go, oh, my gosh, this fits in with that other thing we were studying on. Well, Amazing in, to me. In the course of a month, some aspect of a government organization has killed a rancher and now we see Scalia get uh, a Supreme Court justice get killed. Uh, when is this all going to come under control that we can get back to a, a civilized government if I dare ever use that oxymoron? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm as perplexed as anybody. Uh, but Cash is kind of claiming it's time to evacuate the planet, and I almost well, agree you know, with him. Well, the thing is that we all have been kind of thinking that people are too stupid or they're too incompetent or whatever, and to me, I'm seeing things that just show genius levels of manipulation. I don't think that it's just it's just developed this way slowly over time. I really do believe there was planning done way before we were born, and yeah. when you go back and look at those documents and see what was going on in the, you know, early 1900s, mm-hmm. those people, I mean, they didn't just come up with that stuff out of nowhere. They'd been working on it a while. So it, it's got its roots way back. And um, they're just, it's like they've got all their steps laid out and they're just taking the next one and the next one. And if they get pushed too far back, like they can't accomplish something, they just put it aside and they work on something else and then they bring it back again. It never really leaves. Uh, so I don't know what the, I mean, what is the point of this whole thing? It, were we supposed to come here and then develop all these societies and then have them all just be assimilated into one? Was well, that I, actually in the plan from the very beginning? Uh, <laughs> you know? I'll jump to the end story. That That's why... Christ taught us to do unto others as we want them to do unto us and living by the golden rule. That's that's the ultimate point of, of our life on earth uh, is treat others the way we, we want them to treat us. But now getting back to what are the strategies that are being used against us by those who don't follow the golden rule, uh, I want to compare our day-to-day life as we were taught to live coming out of high school was you basically live life from one paycheck to the next, and you hope to allocate your budget so that you can save up for retirement and, and future and, and saving for a rainy day and things like that. Uh, but secret societies don't plan and budget from paycheck to paycheck. They have 100-year plans they live by. Now, how do they get away with that? Maybe they don't have to worry about paychecks. They don't. They're controlling money from square one. The Rothschilds don't have to borrow money from anybody. They're making it themselves. Uh, The Rothschilds have worked in cahoots with the Pope all along. The Pope doesn't have to worry about paycheck to paycheck and day-to-day survival like the rest of us. Uh, once you get your your basic survival taken care of, you're free to think of stupid stuff like 100-year plans uh, and conniving 100-year plans of evil. 
and how can they even tell that far in advance unless they're holding things back? Well, they are. Yeah. Uh, why did Hillary want to have Cash arrested? Because he was sitting on a technology that was going to collapse a lot of her investments, and she wasn't going to have that. And and she's living on uh, on her foundation, which is getting donations from who knows who. And uh, she didn't want uh, Cash upsetting the pot with a, a new technology that that obsoletes uh, uh, all these big industries out there that are supporting her. Uh, so in a way, Hillary Clinton is a small player in the whole mix. There's uh, there's a lot of big shots above her, uh, but they use these uh, uh, these popular people of the moment uh, to manipulate the masses. And as much as I detest not only Hillary personally but everything about her, uh, I'm sorry to say there's a lot of really stupid people in this country that think she's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I haven't any idea why, unless these people are, are deranged themselves. Well, tonight on the the national news, there was a little clip of her um, taking a little girl into her arms, and she said to her, I will make sure that you're safe. It was related to the immigration thing, and... Uh, it, all I could think of is, ugh, get your hands off that kid, you know, because it's like total pandering. She could care less about that little girl. She probably doesn't even remember her name by now, and it's only been a, a few hours, right? But it's just, it's just to see her do that when there isn't anything there. there she has no feelings for human beings. But, boy, she can, you know, she could put that on for... I guess the people that see it, they they don't see anything wrong with her. And I don't get it either. I really don't. They think that she's been misunderstood and, you know, victimized by the press or whatever, what little bit they ever say. Uh. Yeah, I got to lean into my screen to read the <laughs> to read the text and some of the chat remarks there. Yeah, I haven't looked at it yeah. lately. I should probably go look. Well, we, we've got an intelligent crew there tonight. So. Can't read yeah. fast enough to come back with any <laughs> any comebacks and anything. But uh, definitely. Uh, okay, so I mentioned Mount and uh, DHS. Um, that's about it on on my urgent things for the week. Uh, Finally, took a trip on with with my free car <laughs> to go visit my brother the other day. So I had a good time updating on things with him. Uh, I was kind of sad to learn that one of one of my family members has uh, developed a, a serious allergy to uh, canola oil. Wow. And I had heard of an assortment of allergies out there, but uh, this is really striking close to home here. Well, I heard canola is not really that healthy, but I don't remember where it was. It was probably three or four years ago. I don't buy it anymore because of it, so mm -hmm. I haven't really kept up on that. I use, like, olive oil for most anything. 
Yeah. Uh, I used to have canola. I thought it was a nice light oil. No, I don't use it anymore. And it was because of whatever I read about at the time. Well, I think it's been said canola is not a natural plant. It's a genetically engineered plant to begin with, that it didn't exist 100 years ago. That somehow or another it was a crossbreed of I don't know what what and what, but it, it, it became the canola plant. So uh, there's no such thing as an organic canola plant. It, it's it's a genetic design from square one. Yeah, so maybe that, that's that. That is probably the, the trouble with it. Well, and not only that, but you think about these things that we ingest, and the body doesn't know what to do with it. If it's not something that was around at the time, you know, when we were early on in our lives or whatever as humans, then um, what would our body know? as to how to break it down and use it. That's why I think the simpler, the better. There was something I was seeing this week about um, um, grated cheese having wood in it, like sawdust or something mixed in it. Oh, yeah. I don't need sawdust. So that right there tells me don't buy grated cheese, grate your own cheese. Buy the chunk of cheese and grate it yourself. Then you know you're getting real food and not wood that re- yeah, that really shocked me. Oh, I'll, I'll point out the product by name: Kraft Parmesan cheese. The stuff oh, great, you sprinkle because that's what I have in the refrigerator right now. The stuff you sprinkle on your spaghetti. I mean, I've, I love that, grated cheese. A, I love it. Yeah, that's been a product I've used since since childhood. And it may not have had wood in it then, if it has wood in it now. Well, ten, fifteen years ago, I finally took a close look at the label. And what did I see? Cellulose. Uh, and my mind just blanked out. Uh, Probably cellulose. I'll go get cellulose, mine. I have cellulose. Cellulose. Yeah, that's yeah, what it that, is. That's wood. the word. That's the fancy word for sawdust. Yes, it is, because it's in wood. Yeah. Cellulose fiber. Uh, so, uh, oh, it's supposedly to keep it from sticking. Well, okay, I have mine right here. Mine is actually Parmesan and Romano because I haven't had mixed for a while and I thought I'd try it. Right. It says, ingredients, Parmesan cheese and Romano cheese made from cow's milk, pasteurized part skim milk, cheese culture, salt, enzyme, cellulose powder to prevent yeah. caking. Yep. Potassium sorbate to protect flavor, contains milk. Now, the thing is that maybe they do have some in here so it you know, will flow out of the container, but how much of it is wood? I mean, how would I know this? Maybe I need to put some on a plate and and heat it and see if it melts or not. Well, are there some types of wood that wood are healthy? Because wood won't melt. <laughs> are some types of wood healthier than others to eat? I, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we can eat twigs. You know, Yule Gibbons used to talk about twigs and berries, as they used to say. It was a big joke because I know twigs and berries mean something else, too. So there's probably snickering going on in the back row. But um, Yule Gibbons was always talking about the uh, natural foods and everything and granola and all this. Well, there's some things that you could probably eat that are good for you and you could get some nutrition out of it, but I'm pretty sure sawdust isn't one of them. What does your body do with that? Cash has made an interesting comment that kind of really makes you think. Uh, he says, 
trees are the most ideal living entity ever created. And here's how he justified that remark. We all think, oh, humans are the highest level of, of any living thing ever made and whatnot. Uh, how many trees have an outhouse nearby? I know. They're complete where, where they sit. They're complete. They <laughs> only use the energy they need, and they don't leave any waste in the soil other than dead roots if the tree dies. Uh, and what are they expelling into the atmosphere? Oxygen. Because they're pulling carbon dioxide out of the air and returning oxygen. Uh, they do draw water out of the soil and minerals. But then again, you have to ask yourself, how many minerals are they really pulling out of the ground? Because if a, how old is a tree? 20 years, 50 years, a 100-year-old tree? That's common. Has the tree eaten itself a hole into the ground in 100 years? No. It's still at the same level. Right. Uh, shucks, you go into uh, oh, a place I love here in California uh, called Big Trees. Uh, we've all heard of the redwoods. Well, the trees that are even taller than the redwoods are the sequoias. And over in uh, this area called Big Trees are these sequoias, and you'll see trees like 300 feet tall, which are one of the most awesome things you'll ever stand next to. And you realize that thing is, was was a pine cone about the time of Christ. So that thing has been sitting there growing for about 2,000 years, and no, it hasn't eaten a hole into the ground with all the nutrients that it's it's been drawing out. It's only been taking water. And the question has been has been raised: uh, How much water is that tree drinking? And it has to nourish its branches 300 feet up in the sky. How much horsepower do you need to move water 300 feet up in the air? Uh, but the trees do it. <laughs> So, uh, it just makes you more fascinated with uh, with God's creations here. Yeah, well, it was meant to be a system that was, you know, um, a closed system as far as the um, cycle. That's what we always learned in school anyway. Oh. That if left alone, it would return to its equilibrium. But we're way out of whack now at this point. And I never could quite understand the uh, the ideology ideology of um, taking huge populations of people and concentrating them in one area and saying that was more efficient because it really isn't to me. It's way more impact on the environment to do that than it is to have people spread out across the land. But. You know, I'm not an engineer, and I'm supposedly, I guess, not a great urban planner because I don't like urban areas anyway, but I just don't understand how anybody could think that a city was preferable to rural living. They're just, there's nothing there that even even blends with a human existence. It's concrete jungle, like they say. It's 
You know, you don't even see the sky in some of these places. The people that live there their whole life, they have no idea there's anything else than a, you know, a subway and a loud noise, and I can't imagine it. I know some of the people that listen to this probably live in cities and think it's fine, but I don't. I think it's horrible. I think it's a horrible way to live, and I'm glad I don't have to be there. Well, being at the opposite end of the spectrum, I, I kind of appreciate cities because you can at least find talent of enough talent to find somebody to fix your car. Which yeah, but it's all it's all like a um, hard environment. It's, you can find people to fix a car in the in the rural yeah. areas too. Yeah, you know, we don't I know. we don't sit home. We have cars here in Maine. We drive cars. Yeah, this uh, well, just my outing this week of of driving to the town my brother lives in. Yeah, now I'm dealing with traffic that I really haven't. To, don't have to deal with up here in this in this little town. I can't imagine like when I see these things on television, like people sitting in traffic in L.A. And I think every day you do this, every day. Yeah. yeah. I would be nuts if I had to do it once a year, let alone every day. I would move. I wouldn't stay there. Well, and there's you... people that think it's great for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is, but I can't imagine what it could be that would make it preferable to living somewhere where you could get in your car, go to the store, and be home in 10 minutes, and do whatever it is you want to do with your life, other than sitting in a car in traffic. Well, Just that, awful. That's why you put in your your favorite sound system, and you tune in whatever you really enjoy listening to, and you just zone out to the world, and you only yeah, keep enough... Yeah, but that's what you're doing. You're just sitting. You just keep enough neurons focused on the road so that you don't run into the guy in front of you. But other than that, your mind is is a million miles away. It's wasted life. It oh. really is. It's wasted life. Commuting. I mean, I when I commuted, I understood about um, you know how you can use the time wisely because I was commuting. I was taking forty minutes to go to work and back. It wasn't stressful. I didn't have to like sit there, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to stop now. Now I have to go. Now I have to stop. I wonder if I'm going to be on time or not. It wasn't like that. I was in my car, but I was going. I wasn't sitting. And I would plan my day on the way in. I would think about how I was going to do various things. And on the way home, I would decompress before I came in the door. So I was all ready to relax. But as far as just being in that stress every day of not knowing, whether or not my car is going to move 10 feet or 10 miles in the next two hours. I would just be nuts. I'd be crazy. I couldn't do it. Yeah, Guest 5 says, wasted life doing conspiracy theory on the net. Well, that brings up another question of which is worse, sitting stuck in traffic listening to maybe a good talk show versus just sitting at your computer and watching a, a stupid <laughs> another talk show or something on, yeah, on your computer. There's got to be a balance, I guess. Oh, uh, that's what it is. Yeah, at least when I was in my car, I was on my way to where I was actually able to earn an income. Yeah. And listening to talk shows on my computer here at home, I'm not earning anything when I'm listening to Able Danger. I'm. Uh, 
uh, I'm observing maybe some intelligent comments from other intelligent people, but am I making any income? No, I'm not. And that's a problem. So that's where idling your car engine at 10 miles an hour in traffic was actually more productive than just sitting here idling. <laughs> yeah. Idling my body uh, listening well, to it, talk shows. Good, but now here's another thing, though. If they really cared about the fact that they're wasting resources like they keep telling us, well, wouldn't it be kind of like wasting resources to be sitting still while your car is running? I mean, it's burning um, energy, and you're not going anywhere, so it's just wasting it. Well, sitting I don't here think my... they really want to solve it. That's the point. They just want to keep telling you that it's better this way. And it really isn't. It's just more profitable for somebody that way. That's a little bit different than quality what, of life is. What what angers me is when I had a job to go to, gas here in California was $5 a gallon to go to that job. Now that I'm retired and I don't have to go anywhere, gas prices have dropped to, I saw, two nineteen a gallon here in California now. Gas prices have dropped about $3 a gallon since I had to drive to where now it's just an occasional important trip. Yeah. Uh, gas companies ripped me off so bad over the last 30 years. I, I can't imagine how much of, of my hard-end income went right into the oil company's bottom line and not to my survival or my ability to save up for retirement. Because uh, despite my being a preachy stockbroker telling people, oh, you got to open up a 401k and save for retirement, was I able to? Well, I started one and then had to cash it out very early. So I don't have any of my uh, any of the products that I was trying to sell, well, 15, 20 years ago. I don't have any left. I had to cash them out. Uh, and here I am, former stockbroker, stuck on just Social Security. Uh, where did my money go? A big chunk of it went to the gas companies because I was paying 5 bucks a gallon just to get to the, my, my job. That's just craziness. I, I remember hearing about the $5 a gallon. I was like, you got to be kidding. No one would ever get away with that in Maine. People stayed home when they went to $4 a gallon. They did that early on in Obama's presidency. He was edging up that gas price. Yeah. And um, people stopped driving. I yeah. mean, you could tell a difference. It was like, nope, going to work and back, that's it. And uh, that put an end to that because commerce has to have people out and about. They can't have people sitting home saying, nope, just going to work. That's it. Can't afford to go anywhere. Well, in all honesty, it peaked at five right at the end of my punch a clock for somebody else career. Yeah. Uh, and going back to the bulk of my career, yeah, it was down on the four or three a gallon. But we had another problem living in a city. Car insurance. Oh, yeah. Living in the city is two or three times what you pay out in a rural environment. So if I wasn't paying a fortune to the gas company, I was paying the rest of the fortune to the insurance companies. So uh, you just can't win one way or the other there. But uh, 
do I hate cities? Not really. I, I prefer having access to all the stuff that you can get in a city, uh, along with the talent to keep your car working. And uh, yeah, just a local problem. Uh, easy access to uh, pl- to somebody to come out and uh, snake out your sewer line cheap. <laughs> services you find in 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 the city that uh, way out here you pay a hundred bucks an hour for somebody to come out with a drain cleaner so on it goes uh that's about the end of my uh urgent topics for the week so uh unless you got anything else then i guess about something i got a lot in tonight didn't i yeah and we just uh, added a bunch more on top of it. Um, the people in the chat are having a great conversation about uh, what they have saved up and how much gas costs and everything. So they're into the money thing in here now in the chat. Mm-hmm. So Five says, just a regular person. Uh, they have over half a million saved, and they have silver and a pension coming. I probably had... Um, I, I've said this to people before, so it's no secret. I think at one time I was probably close to a millionaire, or if I, w- I might have been a millionaire, if you counted all of the assets plus whatever was saved up. I've had a lot of it taken from me. So when Five says WTF is it with people, I'm thinking, and that might be Gene, I'm not sure. Is that you, Gene? Um, anyway, if um, people aren't having the same situation and the same uh, life, then they don't know what other people have had to go through. Because back when I was young and my husband was still alive, we felt that if we did things the way that we planned on, which we did plan on, we didn't waste it. We didn't live a high lifestyle by any means. We never bought a brand new car, for example. Um, We put stuff away for the future. And we were ready to be prosperous. And we thought that we might even make it by 40 because we were that motivated. We worked from the time we were children. And then he had health issues and life took over and things happened in the world stage, which no one planned on. And now that I look back on it, we were being lied to way back then too. And I'm convinced that anybody who's managed to amass money for themselves and assets better be standing over them, really, guarding them every day because somebody else has noticed that and they're going to take it from you. They will write a law. They will tax something. They'll take your job. Or something will happen where now it's changed. And sorry you planned on it, but too bad. Because that's what happened to me. And it's something that was more than one thing more than one industry, not all in one. The the result was in one place because it was me and my family, but it didn't originate from the same place, but it was the system at large. It was the way it's designed. And I would say anybody who's got any assets right now better be protecting them. <laughs> so, you know. So. Uh, yeah, and... and save up a stack of gold and then the liberals of the country elect another Roosevelt who confiscates all your gold. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, like, people would say, well, 
you should have thought of that. You should have thought of that a long time ago because if you'd done this and this and this and this, which was very successful for me and my family, then you'd be fine. Well, the thing is that when you did this, 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 and this, your thing was taken. Theirs wasn't for whatever reason. In my particular case, we ended up having to use some of it. So maybe it would be good now and it would have amassed a lot more money over this period of time. But things happen in the meantime, such as three children going into college approximately the same time because they were within four years. They were all born within four years, so they entered college in, um, let's see, not around 90, 1990, 91, et cetera. At the same time, there were other things going on which caused um, a change in our our income, which was that um, there were things going on in the airline industry at that time that impacted us. There were things that went on regarding um, corporations changing their plans because something wasn't working or whatever. Things We were talking about things that were long-term stable that you could come to feel you could rely on. My job, I worked for schools. I mean, people don't just leave school jobs because schools are always needed. There was no way I would ever think I would have left school before I retired. I would have been working there. I was a member of a union. Unions, forget it. People can talk about unions all they want. I would say, yes, unions can be very valuable to people, but they can also be absolutely worthless, and you've paid dues, and nobody cares. So I don't care about any of those structures that once I cared about. I don't trust anything. My um, recent um, sale of real estate that some of you guys know that I did because I had to save what I had before I lost everything, um, I I out and out said to the bank, I don't want to hear from anyone because they were like, well, we've got advisors. We can have somebody do this. We can have somebody do that for you, especially your age. I mean, you need to be – I said, forget it. I've done all that stuff. I see how it works. It doesn't work. No, forget it. I want access to my stuff. I want it to be as easy as possible. I don't need your 2%, whatever you're going to insult me with, right, because I can do better than that myself because I have a brain in my head. And I get I get irritated. I have to admit it. I get really irritated about it because – we were led down this path like we were going to have some kind of a benefit by people who knew when they told you that it wasn't going to happen. They were making money off you. They were yeah. making money off the advice. They were making money off you somehow. And I just I think it's really disgusting. <laughs> I don't mind telling well, people anymore the, about this is it. Where I have to go back to my, my opening remark that got us talking about economics is that the secret societies have 100 and 500 year plans, and going through high school, we're only taught how to live paycheck to paycheck, one week or maybe a month at a time. And we don't know what's supposed to go on two generations away from us. Uh, and the the layout of things and th- and stuff that we were taught was was stable. Oh, like the American dollar, baloney. We didn't learn until Ed Griffin's book comes out how flaky the American dollar is and how totally fictitious it was, was and is. Uh, 
so saving up dollars that's not really that wise and then along comes uh uh getting names now uh our uh oh the 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 politician from Texas uh the pro gold guy uh, along comes him he says to save gold and go back to the gold standard and then well you study enough and you realize the whole gold market is rigged and uh gold is not all that stable well why isn't it stable because it's a rigged market and any market that's a market is can be rigged and i was commenting about that to my uh my friend who used to be working up on the uh, the north uh, slopes of Alaska, getting paid real well up there, dealing with outrageous weather at the North Pole, but uh, at least he was sending a nice big paycheck home to his wife, wife and family. Uh, and then he gets laid off, and he's in shock that this oil industry that seemed to be so stable in the world suddenly has an oil glut yeah, and so I raised the question of, well, the oil market, we've seen oil peak out at 150 a barrel. Well, I've, last time I looked, I was seeing like $29 a barrel. Uh, and then there's supposedly an oil glut. And I raised the issue, how many refineries are actually buying this cheap oil? Maybe the oil price is just as manipulated as gold is. Because we're hearing a lot of stories that, oh yeah, the the posted uh, market price of gold is X, what eleven, twelve hundred an ounce, but nobody can take delivery of it. You you slap your one thousand two hundred U.S. dollar bills on the table, and nobody seems to have an ounce of gold to shove back across the counter to you. That uh, those who have the gold are not letting it go because now we've got another issue of is the U.S. dollar going to have its same value six months or a year from now? I don't know. We're seeing trade grind almost to a halt on the Atlantic Ocean, and ships are just not moving. Uh, Could be two reasons. Could be Americans are too poor to buy anything, or it could be that those who are making goods in other countries don't want to accept the U.S. dollar as payment. And that's scary if that happens. Then what are we going to offer? Gold? Well, not that many people have gold, and thanks to Roosevelt, a few people that had gold way back then had it confiscated. So, uh, you're right. The the It's, it's a move-counter-move big chess game, and nobody explained all the all the positions of the game to us uh, when we entered the game at birth. Uh, well, I think some. that we're we're waiting on everybody being dependent on the government because I had when I was asking like um, how many people do you know that work for private companies or you know in other words not government connected, not taxpayer connected, so you know not school people or like that because even though supposedly and and I think it was Gene said well they all do well because it's a corporation everything's a corporation or whatever I think that's what he meant but so I I had done this like a couple weeks ago I wrote a note to myself because I wanted to remember to think about this some more Um, how many people do I know that work for 
a private business, and I would include somebody such as myself who's a landlord. It's mine. I, it's my thing. I'm not working for anyone right now. Yeah. Um, but I have here, and I won't say their names because you wouldn't know them anyway, but this, these are the people, what they do for a living, okay, that I know. And I can't think of any others. My, uh, my family members, for the most part, work for uh, jobs that if the government failed, they would have no jobs because it either has taxpayer funding or it is direct, you know, under the state or the U.S. government. Okay, so um, two of them work for fishermen, commercial fishermen. They, they go out on the seas and collect lobsters. One of them is a real estate owner, real estate agency owner. One of them is a contractor for herself. Um, carpentry and painting and things like that. One of them is a store stalker at a retail store. Um, one works at a convenience store as a clerk, and her significant other is a contractor that does commercial painting. Um, one is a remodeler. One works at a health food store. Um, the two people that own a health food store, and and my neighbors are one of them works for a law firm as a like paralegal, and the husband is a writer. That's it. Those are not huge amounts of money, except for maybe the health food people and the real estate person. But we're getting to the point where we either have jobs we do on our own initiative, you know, like we get up and do whatever we do for our job during the day, or we're doing some assistance-type job for somebody else, their business. But there, there are very few people around here, at least where I live, who have jobs that aren't dependent on tax money because it's slowly in, in, um, encroaching. And I actually had somebody on here that I crossed off my list since uh, February 2nd when I wrote it, which was somebody who had been working for a contractor, roofer, and now works for um, a federal like cleanup project of like a hazmat type site. So now their job is dependent on government money. So it's like everything has been, been slowly taken over so that even if it's not completely a paycheck coming from taxes, at least part of it is. So, lost you, I think. I don't hear you, Desert Pete. So if no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm deep in thought here. Uh, that's all right. Sometimes that's what it is, but it sounded really quiet, and I went, okay, he's not Yeah, uh, I think we crossed over the mark not long ago of more government employees in the country than we have uh, civilian commercial businesses. Uh, oh, another crisscross we hit not long ago, which is really disgusting, is we've got more U.S. servicemen dying from suicide than we do in combat. Uh, those are two demographic indicators that are horrible. If government is the only form of income in this country, our economy is ruined. 
and yeah. can it recover at all, even with a high-powered businessman like Trump, if if he can live up to some claims? I don't know. But uh, it, it just seems that regardless of whether it's Democrat or Republican, each one expands government at, at every election. Each one do, starts a new department or a new division to handle this or that, and the government just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And we just don't see departments laid off. Well, shucks. Department of Homeland Security engulfs Department of Defense. Did anybody from Department of Defense get laid off? No. They just added another layer of management on top of them. Yeah. So that was no cost-cutting measure by any means. That was a duplicity of effort. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's a mess, and I don't have any immediate answers. And I'm I'm. Well, I mean, it, when you take like um, these various things, like, okay, so here's how the system is attacking these people now. I'll go back into this and look at it again. Okay, they keep making new laws regarding like the commercial fishermen. A few years ago, they told them that the kind of rope they were using was not going to be allowed anymore, and they had to go buy expensive rope to um, attach to their traps. They changed the types of traps they were allowed to use. These are like um, you know different regulations and uh, government intrusion onto what people do for a living that affects their bottom line and whether or not they can continue to do the job or not. So these people somehow adapted kept their boat, and are still doing it. So there are still some commercial fishermen in Maine. It's probably not as many as there used to be. They're probably people that manage to either squeak through it or they're larger, more wealthy, you know, owners. Um, Real estate, of course, things are changing in that area. Um, But right now I think it's booming because there's so much changing hands. Uh, people that are working as contractors on property, they'll probably stay working for a while longer, but who knows, because it's um, something that people can do under the table. And like someone in the um, chat was saying, working under the table, how people would make money doing that, and they couldn't understand why they would do it. Well, um, sometimes they can uh, slip under the radar if they do that. So um, one of the people, the one that works, working stocking in a retail store the store could close because these are large these are large companies that go in and out of business we've seen that happen so her job could leave um convenience stores they've been largely closing in most areas i mean we still have them in maine because there's some locations that just aren't that profitable for a big company but we have the same ones that you'd see almost anywhere we have well in this area circle k we have like you know these convenience stores that are the ones that everyone goes to because they recognize the name. Um, the mom and pops that we used to have in the old days, they're going. They're The people are, you know, they're either not able to compete or the person that owned it, the family doesn't want to continue and so they just die out. Um, my, my livelihood, if I ever get it back going again, we're trying, but as a landlord, I'm in competition with subsidized property that, you know, my supposed oh, government yeah. that's supposed to be helping me 
is competing with me and and um, making it hard for me to earn a living doing what people have done for years, which is to rent property to people. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can get a cheaper rent somewhere, um, most people will take it. So, you know, I, I've complained about that before as to what other industry does the does your local government or your state government compete with you? I don't think there is another one. Um, the health food store, um, they always have something coming up against their livelihood because there's people now in the, you know, big agencies and stuff trying to regulate what people are allowed to sell in these health food stores as far as supplements go and everything. They're always trying to shut them down. And, um, you know, the lawyers, they'll always be around. And writers, they always will have a need for writers. So I'm sure they'll keep working no matter what. But the the list keeps being reduced all the time as to what people can do without having to go and answer to a corporate master or to have, um, you know, someone who's dependent on the government to be operating in order for them to eat. So I don't know. I don't know how we get around it. I mean, people aren't going to bite the hand that feeds them either, so it's going to be kind of hard when we get to that point where they have to decide, are you going to go with the people who want to keep the United States like it always has been, or are you going to go with these people that are globalists? Which ones are you going to support? And, you know, if you've got people that are working for the system, they're not going to say, oh, I think we ought to dismantle this whole system because it's corrupt. Let's go over here and do what our forefathers used to do, which was farming mostly. <clears throat> they weren't working in a big factory back then. So, you know, they're interesting things, at least to me. I like that's the challenge. around with those ideas. Yeah, that's the challenge in front of us, and I sure wish that voting made a difference. But as corrupt as the system is, it doesn't make a hell of a beans whoever you vote for. I would say as far as people, what I'm doing and what I would recommend for other people, because obviously (laughs) that's what I'm doing, and I've thought about it a lot, is to develop any skills you have. If you have, you know, interest in something that's worthwhile to other people, develop it as much as you can. Make sure you have the tools to be able to do it, because if there is a massive breakdown, there's going to be a need for people that know how to do things because we have masses and masses of people that have no clue whatsoever how to do anything, no simple skills at all. They literally cannot even cook. All they can do is heat food or open it and eat it. They don't know how to make food, Um, gardening, sewing, you know, various things like that. Yeah, and even if you've got a variety of low-skill jobs, the low low skills, jobs for those are disappearing. You crack open whether it's Craigslist or or Monster or whatever, everything is so specialized, and they expect a a college degree in this or a college degree in that, plus five years' experience for just about any job out there that comes close to paying enough to live on. It used to be, shocks, I have to go back to my own case. Lockheed hired me off the street and trained me how to run a machine. Yep. And after just, uh, what, 90 days of training, I was making parts for the Mach 3 SR-71. And I had never run a machine before 
six months earlier. Uh, so we had companies that paid for your training, and as soon as you passed the uh, the the skill test on it, uh, they put you right to work, and they paid a decent paycheck right off the start. Uh, yeah. It was enough that I was able to get out of debt and uh, and go out and try to buy a house after working. For a lot of us, though, we had we had jobs that were very secure, and if people looked at us at the time, they would have said, oh, you've got it made. You guys are going to be doing that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because when we were young, that is what people did. They didn't leave just because they felt like moving or, oh, I think I can make more money over here. People were loyal, and they stayed with the same company their entire work life. That yeah. is not what happens anymore, but it was what happened then. You wouldn't leave unless there was a significant reason, like abuse or something, <laughs> you know. Oh, You'd boy. go in and ask for your raise if you needed a raise, and uh, you were loyal. Well, one so. of my, my old classmates from back in the little town in Illinois, his his dad got a job working for Ford Motor Company, and that was his advice to everybody was get yourself a good union job at Ford and you got a job for life. And for that gentleman, it worked. He worked for Ford clear up till retirement and he had a nice a very nice pension from Ford Motor Company. Well, wow. cuz he started at just the right time and retired at just the right time. You can't say that anymore. Yeah. Uh, by the way, my watch says we're coming up on on your blackout yeah, time, so it's gonna blackout us. Yeah, probably uh, hang up now. So if uh, if if you go blank, I'll I'll blabber on for a few seconds. So you try to get logged on, but uh, but yeah, jobs that we thought were gonna be nice long career jobs way back when. Well, I started in defense, and I thought, well, the country's always gonna need defense. Yeah. Well, it did until the Berlin Wall came down. And the political attitude then is, oh, Russia's a bunch of good guys now. We'll never have uh, defense problems, so uh, let's cut our defense budget. And uh, and at the same time, looking at the specific years, the uh, the banker interest had gone nuts. Uh, 24% on a credit card, and people stopped taking vacations. Yeah, there were a lot of things that affected us financially because of those kinds of things. Yeah, because and at Lockheed's case, industry. well, so it Lockheed couldn't s- couldn't sell enough uh, jumbo airlines, yeah. and so they shut down the whole L-1011 production line. <clears throat> and uh, there went 12,000 people right on the street just in Burbank alone. So uh, we, we get all get hit with sucker punches one way or another. And I'm running out of things to say, so uh, I guess... Well, and yeah, just as as Ginger gets cut off, so uh, just rambling on here for a few seconds while while she logs back on. Uh, uh, none of us knows what tomorrow holds, and we just have to trust God to, to work it out. And keep hearing the expression "God's in control," and uh, at least of the universe on, on a local level, we're we're all responsible for our own activities here. And doing the best we can here, but that's why we uh, we have this this weekly UDA shows to to share ideas and, and observations, and uh, maybe hopefully we can uh, can all make it through things. So uh, whether uh, Desert yeah. Pete survives uh, uh, a California cataclysm, 
I don't know. Are you back? I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. Somebody's oh. calling us. Is it somebody in our chat or is it somebody new? It's New York City. Uh, yeah. We, uh, well, we know from TV commercials you can't trust uh, picante sauce from New York City. But uh. <laughs> Guest 5 is saying unjewed the Manhattan, Manhattan call gender. Are you saying that Guest 5, that this is going to be somebody that I don't want to talk to or I do want to talk? New York, New York. Somebody else just came on. Start spreading the news. I'm not going to start singing, start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. Okay, I'm going to unmute it, and hopefully it's not somebody writing their novel, as we call it here. Hello, New York, New York. I don't hear a person talking. Still seeing a red flag on my screen. Oh, mine's unmuted. If it's Hillary, I'd love to talk to her. I would know <laughs> immediately. I think Hillary lives near George Soros. I read that on somebody's Facebook page when I was, um, what do they call that? Um, perving fa- Facebook. Perving Facebook. I can't talk tonight very oh, well. His icon just went blue. So. Yeah. Hello, New York. They're on the call. Now they're calling again. So there's two of them. Oh, maybe they hung up and they're calling back. Hold on they just mute. got microphone shy. So. What's that mean? Uh, afraid to talk. <laughs> no, I don't know. New York, New York, did you want to speak? Hi, how's it going, guys? Good, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. First time caller, long time listener. Just wanted to know, um, what what are you what are your guys' opinions on what really happened on nine eleven? Is that a fateful day when the Jews worked with the sand niggers to attack those two beautiful buildings with all those poor souls inside? Did you make out everything he said, Desert Pete? Well, you live in New York. You ought to be the expert on what happened that day. I have only moved here recently, so I'm just trying to get some opinions to make a decision for myself on what what I believe actually happened. Well, Ginger and I both listened to a group called Able Danger, and their research shows that we had massive treason within our own government that day. And there's a handful of people that you can blame for it, of telling our own military to stand down and not fire back and not do anything. Do you think it's primarily responsible? Do you think it's the Jews? Do you think it's the global elite? Do you think it's Trump? I mean, we're we're talking about a number of players here. There's a serious number of players. But, I mean, who do you think is primarily responsible? What group? City of London bankers, controlled by Khazarian Jews in cahoots with the Vatican and Jesuits. Oh... but then, and with help from elements within our own government. Yeah, and jumping back locally as to what was going on inside our own military, uh, we we know for a fact the Department of Defense by that time had been infiltrated by a network of homosexuals just pulling the strings 
of the entire oh, military. Yeah, and pedophiles as well. Pardon? And pedophiles as well. Uh, yeah, in in the upper realm, and well, that can that spreads around. But the point is, we we had massive treason inside this country that just allowed it to happen. And it was not an invasion by another foreign country by any means, and certainly not Iraq, certainly not Afghanistan. And George Bush just dragged us into two worthless wars that accomplished nothing for us. Uh, so that's that's kind of the, in a nutshell, viewpoint that, that I picked up. And Ginger, go ahead and add whatever you want. Well, I was just typing into the chat that um, the reason I first noticed Able Danger was because I knew that 9-11 was, um, there was something wrong with the story. It was not as described by the media. I knew that immediately. And the more that I dug into it and the more I saw, um, I knew that I was right about that. And I just happened upon a program one day. I don't even know how I found out about it, but I was listening to an online radio program. It was Raylan Allen that was doing it, and she was hosting for David Hawkins and Phil McConnell, and they were talking about 9-11. And I was sitting there listening to them saying, I know that's true. I know that's true. I know that's true. I can verify that. I remember that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I need to pay more attention, and I need to um, figure out what's going on here because they are the closest to what I believe happened, and I didn't know them, so it wasn't like they influenced me. I was thinking things along the same lines without having any um, verification for the details of it. But a lot of the things that have been brought out have been proven. They've been um, verified various ways. Um, and, you know, so I, I just... The, the official story is so far from what happened that, you know, I just don't. Uh... Yeah, the uh, the few Arabs you find involved were were pretty much patsies and just suckered into their position. So... Yeah, like like Adrian Lamo, this supposed uh, the supposed hacker for the New World Order. He's just he's a giant snitch and a homosexual. But he was he had, was talking about the uh, the militant homosexual order where they're where they're just trying to turn everybody into these transgenders and homosexuals and you know to fear what what they say like as if the First Amendment doesn't even exist anymore. One of the many problems we're facing in, in this takeover of the country. And uh, Ginger and I are both up, up near 60 and looking back to in, in our high school days and just getting out as, as we saw. Uh, did, you guys have, did you guys have trannies when you were in your 30s? If there were, they were all in the closet. Back, I, I was growing up in Illinois at that time, and yeah, oh, there were okay. there were closet ones of, of that type and, and claim, but the, they certainly had no known political control anywhere. Maybe uh, they were just excited and didn't didn't weren't ready for the reveal yet. Well, in in 2020 hindsight, I guess they were already rampant in Hollywood, but 
naive people that I I was at that time of my life. Uh, I just thought that they were were flamboyant and and funny and and kind of strange was was all. I mean, I, I got to point a finger Liberace. I really respected his piano work. I thought he was one of the most accomplished uh, pianists in the country. Yeah, no doubt. But but the guy had a horrible personal life that nobody really knew about, or at least I sure didn't, and it wasn't well, apparent. Well, I'm going to just jump in because when uh, my dad was in World War II and he was in the Navy and he would tell about his escapades when they were on shore leave and stuff, there were there were many people in, in the entertainment industry especially that were homosexuals. Back in the what 40s. about the Navy at that time? Uh-huh. What about the Navy at that time? I that wasn't it. around in the so I, mean, I, I don't, it, it I wouldn't know. have been, if they were, they wouldn't have been letting too many people know about it because it was likely they would have been killed. But yeah. when um, when they first started talking about putting homosexuals in the military, um, I I was very open with people at the time. I know that they were there already. Um, my my uncle was, he never said he was, nobody ever said he was, but he definitely was. I mean, if you saw a picture of him in his uniform, you know, the official photography that they did for people that were in the service, he looked like a woman wearing his uniform. He was definitely not a man's man, that's for sure. He was not male I can't understand you. Did he ever talk to you about the militant homosexual agenda? Of course not. People didn't talk about things like that. They didn't talk about anything like that until recently, actually. Yeah, that that's only kind I of would say that's, the last five years. That's been in years. the last ten years, if that. Yeah. That's a new thing. So I don't know how old you are, but um, a lot of the agenda lately has been to uh, disparage baby boomers um, talking about baby boomers as though they are wasteful of resources, don't care about young people, could care less about the future, and just want everything for themselves. Nothing could be further from the truth. That is media hype, and that is just an agenda that someone has to pit one age group against the other. It's not true. So you're saying, so you're saying that the baby boomers are like neo-Freemasons for the greater good? No. What I'm saying is a lot of the things that are going on today were done with the help of baby boomers, yes, but it was because of deceit and fraud. It wasn't with uh, full disclosure by any means. So to turn around after people have put a lot of things in place for the betterment of humanity, then to be told, huh, you guys participated, so it's your fault that it happened, is wrong. Completely wrong. In fact, some of the people that we've met lately that are in their 20s are starting to get it because we talk to them about it. We tell them about how things were. You know, for example, first Earth Day, that was because of baby boomers. So don't be saying that baby boomers don't care about the environment and hope that everything is poisoned and kills off, you know, the population. It's not true. Is, is the new Woodstock the Woodstock? Is that baby boomers? What? Is there the the new Woodstock? They're trying to bring back Woodstock. Is that baby boomers too? Is that part of some sort of like second MK Ultra wave? I don't know anything about a new Woodstock. I haven't heard anything about a new Woodstock. Oh yeah, you should check it out. They're trying to like re reboot Woodstock. They're trying to do it again. 
Because the last well, time I tried to the last time I tried to set it up again, just people lit shit on fire and started skinning each other on acid. Well, part of part of the things that when people go back and they look at things in history and they don't get the full story because they weren't there, it's one of the things that I always stress on this show is that if we're not there, we don't know what happened. We uh, we don't know. We can if you can trust somebody who was there to tell you about it, then you know. There were there were definitely people burning themselves on fire and and skinning each other with exacto blades because they were all on, like really powerful hallucinogens like the bath salts. Well, I don't know what I know that bath salts are bad and I've heard things about it. I never have taken bath salts. Um, it's crazy. Let me tell you, I well, had to try it just to see what the hype was, and it is it's it's scary. It can kill you the first I, I, time. I'm begging my grandmother to punch me in the eyes. It can kill you the first time. But, yeah, most definitely. So let's go back to Woodstock since you brought it up. Woodstock was um, a place that a lot of people went to because they had, not because they wanted to go get high and be, you know, crazy out of their minds and do things, but they wanted to gather together in in a huge event to um, raise consciousness. That was the that oh, was the really the basis of it. Funny. I can't understand you. Through, uh, through the age of Aquarius cult, they were all. I mean, it was like it was. It was essentially satanic worship. Well, you could say whatever you want to say about it. I'm telling you from being alive at that time that that was not what the people that I knew were going there for. They weren't going there to be satanic. They were going there well, to raise consciousness. Was Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They were going there to be with other people and to raise their consciousness because they didn't like the war. They didn't want to see people killed like that. They didn't want to go give their life to um, the machine, basically. They would actually say the machine, the war machine. Why didn't they just and give their life to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Why did they what? Why didn't they just give their consciousness and their life to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Why did they have to commune with the demons? Because we've had a predominant media controlled by a Christ-hating Jewish society. I think you'd find that many of those people that were at Woodstock were actually Christians that had gone to church and Sunday school and all those things because the people I knew all did. Yeah, they they had been exposed to an element of Christianity. They had no idea what uh, the media was counter-teaching them. Uh, well, that, one of the things we learned too was the effects that Laurel Canyon had on the on the um, media's uh, depictions of the time period too. That there was um, there was a whole other agenda going on that people didn't know. Generally, the public didn't know that stuff. They were teaching it to people. Now that I look back on it, I mean, I've gone and looked at some of the documentaries on the '60s, and I've just been amazed at what I've learned. And I lived in it. I was there. I didn't go to Woodstock, but I would have if I could have gotten time off work. There were a lot of people that would have gone to Woodstock because it was meant to be a huge music festival for, um, you know, people to be able to gather and, and go to that farm and be together. It was awesome. It was the free love, you know, love all your brothers and sisters time period. People were hitchhiking together. They were hanging out. They were traveling across the country and you know, pooling their money and buying dinner, and it was a very loving time period. You had you had the brown acid. You had 
you had people. I'm sorry. You had yeah. You had the brown acid. You had the government running. Or it was a testing ground for MK Ultra, and and you had the militant homosexual and people getting brainwashed essentially into being people gay. Didn't know that. People didn't know that. People didn't know all that that you just yeah, said. That, that that's all they twenty no twenty hindsight. That's that only stuff. yeah. That's only come out in the last twenty years or less. Oh okay. Uh, they, yeah, nobody say knew that about you that were going to get together with a bunch of your friends and take a road trip across the country and have a blast together, and so you all pile in a big truck, and you head or a school bus or whatever that you've converted, and you head across the country and you pick up people you meet along the way because they're pretty cool too, and and you get to know them all and you're friends forever after that. Um, would you describe that as MK Ultra and all these other things, or would you just say, "Hey, these were a bunch of friends that got together and got to know each other and traveled across the country and had a blast"? Yes, That's how it was. We're actually funded by the U.S. government as a way to promote child sexualization, pedophilia. No one knew it. If that's what they were doing, nobody knew it at the time. So you can go back and say they did that. They also co-opted the Occupy movement and made people uh, say and believe things that they didn't start out saying and believing. Because there are people today that think the Occupy meetings... ...that would put LSD into children's orifices and all over children, and they would just drive around screaming obscenities. I can't. I can't yeah, understand half of what you're saying. Yeah, I'm sorry, sir. Your phone seems to muffle the it's, first yeah, half muffled. of your sentence before it gets cleared. So I'm sorry. No, my apologies. What I was saying was, what about the merry pranksters? They were essentially just going around giving underage children LSD and having sex with them and screaming obscenities outside of their van. Where was that? Technical. Where? Okay. Yeah. Who's relating that story? From where? From San Francisco. Okay, the San Francisco hate Ashbury scene. Again, that that was played up by a a Talmudic uh, Kabbalah controlled uh, media, which uh, I can't give them a hundred percent of the blame. They shared media control with the Jesuits, and each one of them had their own agenda. And the agenda was to make government seem as if, oh, government will never hurt you. Government is here to help you. And so both of them kind of shifted the blame over to government while they had their own agenda. Consequently, real Christianity was removed from television. You were occasionally allowed to talk religious if you wanted to. And, oh, if we, if we have to talk religion, let's uh, let's make the Pope the uh, the most respected person in the world. And then we need a Protestant pope, so let's find Billy Graham and uh, and make those two the most respected people in the world. But never let either one of them discuss real Christianity. It was it, hey, because you know, they were pedophiles. Uh, I can say that about the popes. I won't say that about Billy Graham. Billy Graham, I, I have no issues with. I friends who actually know Billy Graham and. They've told me on several occasions some just I mean horrific things I don't even want to say here, but I mean uh, it's just absolutely obscene things that he would I've, do. I've heard claims him. of him being a Freemason. Uh he has never he admitted is. it. He absolutely is. I can confirm that. He is most definitely a Freemason. 
Well, I've seen photos of him in Freemason regalia with, with other every, Freemasons. Every, every Freemason I know about boasts about his membership. They don't hide it. And Billy Graham has never boasted about a membership in Freemasons. I'd like to well, hear it's, him it's state it directly. Once they, do the, once they do the ritual where they do the titty on the, the, the sword on the, the titty, they don't they don't have to boast about it anymore. I think that's after the fourth degree. Uh, I have no respect for for Freemasons. I, I know they're as evil as as yeah. you can imagine, but there there is embellishment to every story out there too. And to broad brush all the Christian leaders out there as being Freemasons, no, they're not. But I, I, on the other hand, I will readily admit that it's a known fact that half the Southern Baptist ministers are Freemasons. And shucks, I started out as a Baptist. I used to respect the Southern Baptist denomination. I don't much anymore. If they allow half their 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 preachers to be members of the Freemason Church, the Freemason cult, uh, yeah, they're they're way off base. But I will not go broad brushing. I've heard some characters like, oh, Sherry Schreiner, I've mentioned before. She wants to broad brush uh, everybody in in popular evangelical movement as being Freemason. I'm sorry, Sherry, you're wrong. Many of them are not. Uh, But granted, some of them are. But you've got to deal with it on a person-by-person basis. So essentially you're saying Tex Mars is right about everything. Uh, Tex, I have to agree with on on ninety nine percent of what what he he preaches. Yeah. Okay. Um. He will occasionally. All of us have have the problem that that when we start on a when we get on a roll and we're right on a lot of matters and we start rattling off everything, it's too easy to 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 not be able to hit the brakes and you go off a cliff. And Tex has done that one or two times. Uh, the only recent event I would have to take issue with him is that uh, German Wings airport or German Wings airplane that flew into a cliff. Uh, Tex was adamantly claiming that the pilot was a homosexual with a, a suicidal tendency. Well, he actually Jim, got all of his information from Jordan Maxwell. Tex did? Yeah. I I can't believe that. Jordan Maxwell preaches a lot of things that are adamantly against Protestant Christianity. So I I, I respect some of uh, Jordan's research, but not all of it. But the the point I was trying um, to make... I can understand using the two. Let, let, let me back up and finish my point here on, on the German wings in, incident. Uh, Ginger and I, with, with our affiliation with, with uh, Able Danger, we, we've learned that the German wings incident was a hijacked aircraft. It was hijacked electronically. And that pilot was, uh, that co-pilot that got blamed for everything was an innocent victim himself. Uh, he was knocked out and he was unconscious when it flew into the mountain because that whole plane was was electronically hijacked and flown right into the mountain because there was a uh an employee of uh oh ginger help me remember who was it uh um, that, that one's uh, uh 
big CIA contractor. Uh, there was an employee of, of that firm on board that plane. On German wings? On German wings, yeah. I don't remember. And that was uh, that was most likely the target that uh, uh, they didn't care who else they killed along with with that person. Uh, they just had to erase them from the scene. So a uh, couple of things like that I might take issue with Tex Mars, but by and large the, the theology he preaches, I, I agree with completely. Not something I've spent a lot of time on lately. I'm, you know, I just when I hear people talk about the baby boomers like they set up this horrible thing, and no, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to take responsibility for that. No. I worked in schools for 20 plus years, helping kids um, with great intentions of helping them succeed in life, only to see them leave school, go to work for some of these blankety blanks, you know. Um, being used after being set up by their teachers and stuff, the teachers not knowing this is what it was used for. Now I know a ton more about it, and I'm sure that, um, you know, you would say the same thing, Desert Pete, about the work that you did. It was uh, for the benefit of our country and humanity. It certainly wasn't to help these people do the evil crap they're doing now. Yeah. So I, I, I don't mind taking responsibility when I've had something to do with it, but I certainly haven't. And that is one of my motivations now for why I'm doing what I'm doing now, because I realized that we were all had, we were uh, used. And mm-hmm. so the Laurel Canyon is definitely a big um, topic that we talked about getting into in depth and never really got back to it yet. But as far as the influence on society that came out of that place, and that those people were so closely related to military families and uh, high levels in the military um, kind of told us what we needed to know about that music industry out there. So uh, It looks like the New York color got cut off, and he's back on. So if you I think you need to... Oh, they left and came back? I thought uh, they just muted themselves. Uh, he he, Sorry he had a that. bad connection. <laughs> so. Sorry about that. You're... you're back unmuted again but anyway we did we spent a lot of time talking one night about laurel canyon and about the connections with some of the people that were high up in the music industry at the time and what their parents did for a living and how they all happened to be out there at the same time and um when we went through that night we looked up uh, laurel canyon or i did i guess because while we were talking and on the wikipedia um there was actually a list of the different houses and who had lived in the houses because they some of them rotated, obviously, ownership. And who were out there at the same time. These people were out there at the same time and all knew each other, obviously. And, um, yeah, they definitely had an agenda. But at the time when it was occurring, the general public didn't know that. That was just a cool place to be. And all the music, I mean, everybody loved the music. I still do. I listen to a lot of 60s music. And now that I listen to it again, I see where the uh, messages were were aimed. They were directly aimed at us to affect our beliefs, obviously. I mean, it's right there. You can see it. But we didn't see it at the time is what I'm saying. That's all. Yeah. <clears throat> it, was, it was all a plot. It was developed by Jim Morrison and his dad. 
I'm not sure Jim Morrison knew that he was being used that way at first. He was being mind controlled. He was Some actually people don't think he's dead, you know. Some people don't think he died when they said he did. Oh yeah, I don't I don't believe he did. No, I don't either. I think he I think he's still alive, no doubt. I'm not sure he's still alive now, but I don't think he died then. You'd be surprised how many how many people tell me that they've seen him recently. Really? Well, I wish he'd come yeah. out and sing again because I thought he had a nice voice. I never liked him. He's awful. You're uh, young, though. Uh, You're young. You have different tastes. I can't stand him. Well, now we have we have music now that is like this. I walked into the wall. 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 Yeah, yeah, you know what's up. You're right. If there is no lyrics, there's nothing. Ebonics and 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 the negativism that is that is infecting the education system in America is just absolutely appalling. Well, and also what think about the other manipulations. Think about the manipulations that are going on even in advertising with, um, like, the music that's played in the background, and they call it music, but it's actually mechanical and very, um, it's depressing and, and it has an effect. And it's all it is is just pounding noise. It's just like, it's not music, really. It's not, I'm sure if you looked at uh, one of those, um, simulations that shows the you know the frequencies and everything it would be just a mess it would be just chaotic there would be no beauty in it so, well actually i mean some, some some rap music has good beats but then when you have one of these chocolate people start babbling over it i mean it's it's, it's all it's all, it goes all his integrity oh i won't blame it on what you call chocolate people because honestly some of the best music i've ever heard is right out of like the Motown things. They were they came out of black culture. Oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not referring to black people because yeah, you, you, I mean you have you have black people and then you have niggers, just like you have homosexuals and you have faggots. You know, it's just it's a different classification. Well, it's labeling. It's still I mean, what it means to you is not what it means to someone else. It's not a specific thing. It's subjective. Well, I mean, I, I have friends that are gay, and like even well, they're not they're not really gay. I, I I just say that to be nice, but they're faggots, and they they acknowledge this and they call themselves faggots. So it's like they they know it, they know it. You think hood rats don't know that they're hood rats? You ever see videos of those uh, those chocolate people in Walmart just like beating the hell out of each other? You tell me that there's not something in their water. Well, I think that, that is it's a thing. those Christmas shaped bells will cut through all yeah. brain tissue. There's people who are ignorant. There's people that just don't want to see anything good in another person, and they're just never going to. And whether it's because of their background or whatever, I mean, it's hard to say because there's so many factors involved. I mean, if if your whole life there's nothing there, you have no hope at all that you're ever going to be able to have anything more than what you have today, and what you have today really stinks then, you know, who am I to judge that and who are you to judge that, What, how that person adapts to living? Because they didn't have a chance to begin with. 
you know, when you work in schools for years and you see these kids, and some of them are just a mess and they're only five years old, you know they'd have no chance. Everybody has a chance. Everybody has no, a chance. No, they don't all all have, have a chance. Have anything, all you got to do is steal a laptop and do something on the computer. There's always oh, a way. come on. Mel, come on. Well, I, I would say that the people in this chat right now all had different types of backgrounds and opportunities in their life because it's just the way it is. But there's people well, that have no chance. They all have to get a computer. The internet's full of money. Right. For some of us, it's all our mental capacity to be able to log on and, and stay online without the computer shutting down in mid-conversation. So. There's people that have thank you, no Gates, opportunity yeah. whatsoever because they have no resource at all from the time they're little. I mean, I, I saw kids that were so brilliant, and they had they had uh, drugs given to them at school because they couldn't sit still. And the reason they couldn't sit still I'm is because they were bored out of their minds. Those are some pharmaceuticals that actually worked. I mean, my hand I can't go outside in cold weather because my hands swell up like a balloon. But if I go to Miami, oh, no problem. It's just, wow, so focused. Well... I'm just saying there are people that probably can't go to Miami. I'm not saying I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying it's the only place I can go where my hands don't swell up like balloons. So you think that, the, you think it's okay that your hands swell up like balloons and someone else's don't? I don't huh? think that's fair. I don't think it's fair that your hands swell up like balloons and other people don't. That's not fair. I was thinking about it. I can't eat my speed candies anymore. It's crazy how powerful that stuff is. I've seen some kids that are just so twacked out of their minds, they're just gnawing on pencils. I saw a lot of things I didn't want to see in school, and I didn't like it because when I started working in schools, there weren't that many kids in special ed that were being drugged. And by the time I left, there were lots. And you know why that is? Yeah, it's because there's money involved. They got nothing going for them. You want to talk about kids with no chance? Special ed kids. You know, if okay. if the government was actually smart, if Obama wanted to take some policies seriously in regards to the world food supply, he would recycle all these effective humans and send them into food. Because when you think about it, if you look at stores like 7-Eleven, McDonald's, you know, just fast food restaurants, quick, quick bites to eat, you know, the stuff that's in there is barely neat as it is. Why don't we just use humans? We get more meat, we're using less resources, and it's like kind of like recycling. I mean, it's a little, it's a little bit of a new age thought, but you know, I think we can make it work. And you're, and you're talking like that when you said, what was it you said about the Satanists and all the the satanic stuff at Woodstock? That is just really funny, ironically funny. It's, I don't know, it's a double standard. You don't standard. see anything wrong with what you just said? No, I mean, you, are you, you're you going to tell me that Downsy kids have a soul? How can you say that? That what? That, how, how can you say with a pure heart that Downsy kids have a soul? If you read in the Bible, it says that those with poor eyesight or pointy ears I, I'm paraphrasing. I, I haven't read the Bible in a few years. 
But those those that have poor eyesight or, or pointy ears may well not won't be welcome to the kingdom of heaven. They're like Satan's Satan one. Well, for, first of all, sir, I suggest you get a good translation because you're obviously reading something that's really off the wall. I'm like, has, what? No bearing on Christianity I've read the King of Zing version about eight times. It's no, the best one. No, the one no, that and makes they the said no, sir, sell uh, the food uh, to I, the Seven Eleven. Yeah, I gotta confront you. You're you're making up verses that don't exist. I've I've gone through the I've Bible. Never heard of I, it. I read a good translation, and there are bad translations out there. And I'm sorry, you must have found one. Oh, I'm not I'm not saying I'm complicated, but I'm saying I I mean I'm I'm a I'm a practicing Lutheran, and I've read the Bible several times. I mean maybe maybe I don't know. I, I eat a lot of psychedelics, so maybe at some point well, something changed. It, that that's your other problem is is stay away from any any chemical alteration because that can really Regardless, mess up your mind. Let's get back on topic. You you really think that the children with Down syndrome have a soul? Yeah. Have you ever have you ever talked to one? Of for course. At least Thirty minutes. Of course. Uh, ever heard of the talk show network uh, GCN? Listen to a uh, a talk show host by the name of Dr. Bill Deagle. His daughter has Down syndrome. And listen, find a, one of his episodes where he talks about uh, the day he learned that uh, while while the child was still in the room, that it was going to be a Down syndrome. And he made the decision, yeah, he was pro-life, and uh, the child was born. And to this day, his daughter is now, I think, in her, in her early 20s, and comes up with profound remarks that here Dr. Bill Deagle has several degrees in, in education, and his daughter comes up with with beautiful observations in life that he had never thought about himself. Yeah, but you she, betcha they, they have a soul. What was that? That she still has Down syndrome, so she's, I mean, it's, really likely that she has like a pair assistant, you know, just helping her out with, with urinating and defecating. She's making intelligent human observations. Don't tell me she has no soul. I'm I, sorry, I mean, that, that's that's bad teaching you're listening to. Get, get, get a hold of a good translation like King James, which admittedly the, new King, the right, King James right, Bible is awkward to read, but it's a good translation. And so that's what I have in my church. But I mean, they just sit there. Every every child with Down syndrome. My wife's a teacher, so I'm I'm in schools a lot. And every down, child with Down syndrome I've seen, which is increasing, by the way, is something I've noticed. The past few years, lots of Down syndrome kids have been getting born. Yeah, well, that's chemical pollution is in, entering the the American diet in in horrible quantities. Yeah, I've, I've... yeah. And aside and aside from the extra chromosome, we'll call it a feature. Um, you know, I, I, I would probably say that any kid that has a mental deficiency could be classified as a Down syndrome kid. But my point is, is that they sit there, they drool, they get put in these special classrooms. I mean, they're, they're really, they really don't get a full chance of being human, at least. Not even being human. They're drooling, they're screaming, they're molesting each other in class, they don't know what's going on. Let me tell you a story. When I was in middle school, I saw this, this poor retarded girl... She was touching her private parts and smelling it, and she was running around screaming, and then she just started um, giving fellatio to this, this other retarded fellow. And, you know, it's just, 
I was in middle school. I didn't. I didn't need to see that. I was a young kid. You know, why? Why would they need to expose other humans to that? Why? Why couldn't? You know, some things Hitler did. He was on the right path with. You know, the whole thing with the Jews. I wouldn't have gone about it that way, but I still think that you know he was on the right track. But he should have focused more. On, on the kids that had an extra chromosome, on the kids that had learning deficiencies, he didn't put enough thought into that. But I understand, you know, the Jews were and are still taking over the world. But, I don't know. I, I personally think that all those Jonesy kids, they got to go. They got to go. I don't think it has anything you know to do with Christian beliefs or values. You know what? I'm going to say goodnight to you because you're way off the track of what we ever talk about on I don't, here. I don't think it's just an inappropriate place. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Well, then, what do you what do you think I'm saying to you? That you think eugenics are fine, and that you think it's no, okay to eat people. No, I think eugenics are absolutely distasteful. I'm not talking about eugenics whatsoever. I'm I'm completely against it. Well, you're bringing up extreme examples that not everybody has to encounter, and I'll I'll readily admit those are difficult situations to deal with, but they need to be dealt with because they do have a human soul. Uh, it's a soul that has had the mind interrupted somehow or another through chemistry, through birth defect, through radiation, through an endless list of things can really mess up a human being's life. Uh, and those are poor individuals that are victims of that, but it that's just one of the challenges of life, that we have to treat everybody, by as Christ taught us, from the if you're a Lutheran, then at least we, we have an essence of agreement here of following what Christ taught. And Christ taught us, treat everyone as you want them to treat you. Exactly, and, which brings back to my point, where if you have these children with Down syndrome, if I was a kid with Down syndrome, I would be absolutely fine with going on to the next phase of my life or being buried on the ground for a billion years till Jesus comes back and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But what I'm saying is Down syndrome kids, they just got those glassy eyes, and I don't know, I don't know. It's going to take some convincing. Maybe I should speak to my pastor. Yeah, and I think you should also speak to a parent of a Down syndrome child, preferably my, a, my a Christian kid, parent. My neighbor's kid has Down syndrome, and I, I, to be honest, I can't go near him. He scares, he scares me to death. Well, he's always screaming, punching car doors when he's getting ready for school. He bites his mother. It's just insanity, and he chews on rocks. He has this fascination with rocks. It's amazing to watch this kid play on a summer day. He just picks up rocks off the lawn and starts chewing them until his gums bleed. Yeah, it's a challenge, but there has been mental illness problems all down through mankind's history. Uh, this is nothing that's just happening here on the scene. Now, it, it seems to be increasing recently. It's getting more popular, I think. Uh, it is on the increase. I'll, I'll readily admit that to you, but Shucks, from way back when I was a 10-year-old kid in Illinois, uh, Illinois had mental hospitals all over the state. 
And then along comes Ronald Reagan, and he cuts funding for any mental hospitals, and federal funding for such a thing stopped, and mental patients were now released out on the street, and here's $100, go live a normal life. Well, as you're telling us, some of these people have such serious mental handicaps, they can't live a normal Let's life. Let's to kill a mockingbird. What was that? He was supposed to be a retarded simpleton. Okay. It's just my my point is, it's like, do you consider do you consider homosexuality a mental disorder? Yeah, it is. So then they're on par with Down syndrome kids. Maybe in, a different, maybe in a different category. But Have you ever the, talked to the parent of a homosexual? They're, they're choosing an abnormal behavior, that's for sure. I think it's a poor upbringing. Uh, it can be that at times, too. Uh, I think the problem really goes back to the root of, of pre-puberty days when all of us are just learning the various components of our own bodies and how does this part connect to that part and what is this for and, and whatnot as, as we're three, four years old just learning the basics of life. And if somebody doesn't explain something thoroughly at the right time, they, they, can, get a, they can pick up a wrong, uh, a wrong viewpoint on something. And I'm sorry, again, sir, your your phone keeps cutting out the first half of your sentence, and, and I only hear the last word, and I, I miss your point. Um, apologies. I'll, I'll try to talk a little bit clearer. Um, so do you, so you're saying essentially that in like elementary school, middle school, and usually high school, that the wrestling programs and children washing, and washing together in the gym, that that is what contributes to homosexuality in minors? It's mostly the wrestling, though, I think. It all goes back to parents need to teach the basics of life at the right time, and by and large, most parents don't, I'm sorry to admit. So and you that, don't, you don't that's where the confusion comes in. I'm sorry, what? You don't feel that eight-year-olds have to learn how to use a condom? Certainly not. It should be the... What if what Why? if it will save a child in the event they're abused by a pedophile, such as their uncle? Then execute the pedophile. What if they the, can't find him because he's using the the Tor onion thing that the hackers use on the internet? The dark webs. Oh, uh, you're using terms I'm not familiar with. So. Oh, uh, uh, the onion router. He's talking about the onion router. Well, that's a military. So, in other words, they can use their network, and nobody knows who's doing what. We, you know, this stuff is so far out in left field. I really don't want to go any further. I think we've gone far enough. We already know that they're using pedophilia for uh, control all over the world. Um, Able Dangers exposed a lot of that too. We know about all that stuff. Um, so it's not. You're not adding to anything. All you're doing is asking us a bunch of questions that are no, I'm not, already I'm not have an answer answers. to. They're not this is, that important, and you're just taking up our time. For a while now. I've had them in a notebook. I'm going to ask you these. But, well, it's, I mean, 
it, it's it provocative and it really has nothing to do with anything we're working on. So I'm building you know. up to it. All right, we'll ask then because it's late here. It's like eleven twenty now. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you guys? East Eastern um, time zone. I'm in Desert Peaks in California. Yeah, we're at opposite sides of the country here, and hmm. th- this program usually would have ended thirty minutes ago. So. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you guys. What was that? Uh, I said God bless you guys. You guys are you guys are great people. Um, but it's not 11 o'clock in California. I'm on the East Coast, too. It's only 11.20 in the morning. No, it's 8.20 here. Oh, but you're in California. I don't eat dinner until after the show, and so I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Who's in California? Pardon? Which one of you guys is in California? Desert Pete's in California. I, I do. I'm oh, okay. Well, my, I just my want to show. I want you guys... And in regards to the onion router, you should check out this thing called human experiments. It's essentially, I, I was doing some research on it a couple of years ago. It's this guy, this this guy who I, I don't I don't remember exactly what he was. He had some power, and he just posted on online on this onion site that he would take children that were in orphanages. This is, I mean, this is just unbelievable. He take he would buy children from orphanages, take them home slowly remove their senses. He would use lasers or I forget what to take out their eyesight. He would poke holes in their eardrums so he couldn't hear. He would cut their thumbs out and then he would teach, he would just remove all their senses, expose them to pain so they didn't know the difference between pain and pleasure. He would eventually coax them into drinking out of a bottle. They'd get used to drinking out of a bottle whenever they were hungry. So you have these senseless babies or whatever, are children. You, and he would cut their limbs really off physically. This man was a surgeon. And he would cut their limbs I'm off. And uh, I'm done with him. Yeah. I don't want to listen to any more description of Sir, you're, crap. Sir, you're really getting off topic of I really, our honest to God, think here. the person came to keep us from talking about anything else. And yeah. uh, people get paid to do it, and I'm sorry, New York, if that's not why you're here, but I can't see what any what any education took place on either side, actually. Well, I think one we, thing we already know that that stuff's going on. We don't need to have it described to us in detail. I Thank think you we anyway. we just got introduced to a major generation gap thing too. Uh, he obviously doesn't um, know how. He does not know how to use a telephone. He doesn't know how you, to construct a sentence properly. Were you there properly. the night that somebody took uh, like four? I think it was like four weeks in a row. We had somebody calling in talking to us about chemtrails, and all they did was take saying that we didn't know what we were talking about, that the purpose of this program isn't to have uh, child abuse or human, you yeah. know, torture and trafficking described in detail. So Exactly. No, I, I have to agree with you. It, was, it, it may was be really an important topic, there. but no thank you. I don't need to have it described to me because I already know it's bad, and if I wanted to go look at it and think about it all day and night, I would do that. Yeah, and it's... Uh, Valium thinks New York is high. And the, Seven, if you're New York, I'm sorry. I feel bad when I have to cut people off, but honest to God, I really just don't want to hear it described to me in detail. No, thank you. Well, Val is probably light, right. The fellow admitted having used some stuff. And I'm sorry, sir, you were not coherent in all your comments tonight, and you weren't using the phone properly Half your sentence was disappearing because you were probably looking away from your phone when you were mumbling him. 
I didn't so, do uh, like a dog. Come on, Seven. Why did you do me like a dog? Uh, I'm sorry if you're on LSD. Yeah. So, anyhow, such is I think his that, life that was, those were some pretty bad images that you were putting in your mind if you're on LSD because that's really bad for you. Yeah. So, so Seven wants to know what you're going to eat. What What am I going to eat? Yeah, I guess because you said you were hungry because dinner. I go to the closet and or go to the kitchen, and if there's something there, I'll I'll fix it up and eat it. I had pea soup with ham in it for supper. That's what I had, <laughs> but it was a long good. time ago. So, all right. So, anyway, so anyways, hopefully we gotta say good night because we're tired and it's been a long what four hours now. Holy cow. Okay. Well, I'll I'll apologize to you during the show here if 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 I gave him more credibility than he deserved, but. Uh, I, well, I, thought I mean, he was I'd asking love that. to give give people a chance because, uh, like I said, when you work in schools for over 20 years, you get to know young people and uh, many, many different families, and I really feel for people. I don't like hearing people torn down, and I don't like hear, hearing people described as having no soul or not being um, worthy of being alive, basically. It just makes me sad. You know, because I want to believe the best in people. And Seven is saying that they were a special kid. Now, I don't know if that means uh, special ed, because definitely I was a champion of special ed kids, including autistic kids and kids with Down syndrome. Very brilliant kids that were so smart that they had to be drugged so that they wouldn't interrupt classes. And it just broke my heart to see it. I can't take it. No. So, sorry, Seven, if you think that I'm mean to you. Or it disappears off the screen. <laughs> Guest Six agreed with me on something. So, thank you, Guest Six, for being one of anybody, anybody who ever agreed with me. So, uh, anyway, we, we have a few agreements here on the show. So, uh, thanks, Ginger, for putting up with everything. See, now, now Asperger's. See, now it's got to be made. Now somebody's got to uh, make a joke about people who have Asperger's, which is really sad. Because a lot of the stuff I think is coming out of the vaccines and stuff like that, and the food additives, it makes people that way. <clears throat> so. Uh, yeah, and since the topic of medical mental disabilities came up, uh, as I got close to the city yesterday and coming back from my brother's, I I stopped at a, a brand new Walmart down there, another one of their super ones. Yeah. And uh as I'm checking out and just counting my change, getting my change back from uh from the clerk, suddenly this tall, muscular black fellow and race is irrelevant, but he was either drunk or up on drugs, suddenly burst into a tyrannical tirade about something cursing at the top of his lungs about Walmart and whoever it was standing next to him and he's just screaming like a maniac and he pushes his way past me he he started out in the line behind me and and rushed up whatever and well I put my change in my pocket grabbed my stuff and I just walked out a different door but uh this is a super Walmart he's screaming so loud you could hear his voice echoing off the walls and if anybody there has been in a, a super Walmart, you know how big those buildings are. So if this guy 
was shouting that loud, you know how loud he was shouting. Yeah. Uh, and naturally drawing attention of everybody in the store. And as I'm walking out, I see the the Walmart security is is rushing toward him with their radios saying, "Call security, call call, <laughs> call backup or whatever." And w- when I get out to my car and I'm putting my my groceries in the trunk, I hear a, a police helicopter coming over, and I'm thinking, "Yeah, this is life in the city." So, <laughs> one thing I'm kind of away from out here in the desert. So in a way, it's not, it's nice. Yeah. But. Uh, uh well guess Evan is picking on the race and I'm saying no I think it was drugs uh I think drug or alcohol I just alcohol. had to wipe out all of God's uh, God guess no. Evan's comments makes me sad to have to do it but I just can't be having that in there uh understandable oh, I so. mean really come on uh swearing um just crap I just can't deal with it I'm sorry. And I do believe in the First Amendment. Just don't go so far as to be abusive, and it's gotten to that point. So. <clears throat> yeah. Well, anyway, it's sorry. It's not to, the atmosphere I want. <laughs> sorry to end on a, on a sour note there. And. Uh, it's okay. I know there's people hurting out there, and it's just sad to see them turn on other people that are also hurting. I don't want to see that stuff. I know it happens, but I don't want to see it. So don't bring it to my face. I'm doing what I can, and I don't need discouragement. I need help with it. So anything that someone wants to do to help with it, I'm all about that. And I don't think describing horrendous crap that you're making up in your imagination is helpful. (laughs) And, you know, whether they are or aren't taking drugs, that's not my business. Okay, well... Despite the recent problems here, have have a good week anyway. And uh, I wish we'd get some callers that would call us and talk about issues and really mean it because we need help. We need all the help we can get. We've got some major problems going on, and we need some help with them. So there was an inability to monitor a train of th- or to continue a train of thought at the at the proper pace and that's why I said we had a generation gap problem this is pro- this is something i've noticed with with 20 and 30 year olds especially is their minds are jumping all over the place and they can't finish a thought and yeah new york was was talking over both of us while we were trying to finish our points he would just launch into the next sentence well, he said he was on LSD. Yeah, well, that You that know, explains. I think of my students, when my students were growing up and everything, and all the time and effort put in so that they could think for themselves and go and research things and learn and contribute to life and have a good life themselves. And a lot of them, they just went out and sat down at a computer and didn't yeah. do anything else. You know, and I, and I feel sad about it because... It's such a waste, and it's not—it's not all their fault. They have no hope for the future because look what they're seeing every day—nothing but gloom and doom. They don't see anything that can come of their own life, their their own individuality, and they're expected to conform to these um, 
you know, norms or whatever. And when we were raised, we were expected to, yes, conform to some things, but also we were allowed to be individuals. We were allowed freedom and expected to act like adults when we were 16 and 17 years old and not wait until we were 35 and then maybe get something going, you know. It's really, it's really sad. And all that work we spent getting technology into schools and everything so that they would be able to be connected and informed, and what they used it for was to just waste waste them themselves you know yeah i won't say everybody because there's probably some engineers out there somewhere but it's sad to see what's happened uh agreed uh yeah i'm seeing vel's comments there yeah i have 12 to years agree with you the neurons. uh i'm uh uh fortunately i haven't had to deal directly with people on drugs that awful much. I just had one classmate way back in the class of 69 that uh, messed up his own mind on LSD, and he was never the same after that. It was a rotten shame. The fellow showed some some actual uh, film production talent in high school, and if he'd organized himself and and ended up in in Hollywood production he might have been a good film producer by this day but uh but no he started playing with drugs and his mind was was a total waste by the early 70s I think uh, the biggest problem we have right now that is affecting all of us is the psychopathic person who has no conscience and no remorse. They don't reflect on anything they do or say. It's just whatever they want. And um, there's a lot more of them than we thought there were when we first started studying on that. And they seem to rise to the top, and they take over all the systems and structures. And so, yeah, they would be the ones that would be, you know, doing bad things to other people and, and molesting kids and everything else because they don't see anything wrong with it because that's what they want to do. Yeah, as uh, as controversial as Trump is, and we know David Hawkins is jumping down the guy's back and painting him as a bad guy. I I did catch a a video uh, interview of uh, Trump by Wall Street Journal, and in that little fifteen minute video, he really came off as a father who cared about his kids. Uh, because the issue of uh, alcohol and, and drug abuse came up, and Trump said, "Yeah, that's what he taught all his kids: is no alcohol, no drugs, and no tobacco." That was the absolute house policy: no alcohol, yeah. no drugs, and and no tobacco. And he says, with the other millionaires and successful business people he would have lunch with frequently, all of them were crying about family members that were off into drugs and off getting drunk and what whatnot. And yeah. Trump asked him directly, what kind of an example did you set for your kids raising them up? Yeah, we, we were that way. We weren't really strictly, like, you know, going to punish for something, you know, as far as, like, if somebody had a, um, had alcohol or something at a party, and say we found out about it or something, because back then when our kids were in school, that it was uh, basically, yeah, it's illegal, and so you better not be out driving, you better not be out cruising around, 
um, with something in your system. But for the most part, my kids ended up being designated drivers for their friends if somebody couldn't get a ride somewhere. Yeah. Um, but that was, like, for a while that was what was focused on, and then people went away from that, too, and said they shouldn't be doing anything because it's not legal. Well, of course it's not. In Maine, teenagers have been drinking for as long as any of us can remember. And um, the way I felt about it was deal with the reality of living. In other words, don't expect your kids to live in a different world than what they actually live in. So give them ways to deal with the reality, which is that they're going to be with people that drink. That's just how it is. Yeah. So, but we didn't model any of that kind of behavior. Like, you know, some people, they think it's funny to get drunk in front of their kids and have everybody over and it's a big party and all of it's fine and, you know, be friends with the kids and all of that stuff. We didn't have that going on here. So I would say that I would have probably been pretty close to the same thing as that. Like, you know. Well, I I forget if I I told this story before, but it it bears repeating tonight of how my dad cured me in one day to where I would never become an alcoholic. I was only about uh, 10 years old at the time, and uh, the the initial reason that we went from our small town into the city of Chicago was uh, he wanted to buy a good pair of binoculars for me, and he said growing up in Chicago, he knew the, the perfect pawn shop that always had a good bargain on binoculars, so that was the reason we went there. Well... The path through Chicago to get to the uh, uh, the pawn shop district takes you right through Skid Row. And so here's my dad walking me, little 10-year-old boy, right down Skid Row with all the drunks littering the, wa- the street and just hugging their bottle and trying to bum a nickel or something. And that was their whole purpose in life was to bum another dollar to buy another bottle of whiskey and at age 10 to see that but knowing that no I was going to go home to a to a nice house and 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 a bed to sleep in and and a mom to make dinner for me and and I was living a nice clean middle class lifestyle and these guys are sleeping on the street what's wrong with this picture that scared the daylights out of me at age 10 and looking back on it now, that was probably a dangerous thing for him to do. Of course, my dad was born in Chicago, so he kind of knew how to handle himself on the street. But uh, when I saw that, and he was quick to point out, yeah, that's their only purpose in life is that bottle in their hand. Uh, well, I had better goals than that. So I, I think every father should do the same thing to their kids in the, in the 7- to 10-year-old to age bracket. Just expose them to what alcohol and drugs do to you. Well, it's the excess anyway. I mean, obviously the culture that we live in right now, everybody pops a pill for everything. They think that chemicals are going to help their body. Yeah. And it's advertised and everything else. And, you know, when you go to the hospital for something and they they act like they're disgusted because you don't have any prescriptions for them to renew or whatever, it's really ridiculous. It's way out of hand. 
Um, and every time I bring up anything to do with prescriptions or anything like that, there's so many people that take them that they're very defensive about it. And it's like, you know, our ancestors didn't take them. So why do people feel they need them now? It's because yeah. they trust their doctor. And, um, you know, I trusted my doctors to always help me and everything, but when I had, you know, some different things given to me that I had such an immediate harsh reaction to, I was like, man, this feels like this stuff could kill me. I mean, I don't I don't think I need that. And uh, I don't take any prescriptions. I'm not saying I wouldn't if I needed something like, say, if I had pneumonia and had to take an antibiotic or something, but just to regulate your body, your body does that itself. I think we're having so much stuff put in our food and, and uh, so many environmental chemicals that we're, our bodies are just going all out of, out of whack. You know, there's, there's things that can be done. Yep. Oh, anyway, yeah, so now it's really late. Seven stayed even though they got blocked. So hopefully they're okay and they're not, like, sitting there blasted out of their mind on something because I don't know whether or not they're really on LSD, but I'll tell you, I don't think it's the best thing to be doing when you're having images like that in your mind. Yeah. <clears throat> you're supposed to be all peace, love, and rock and roll and all that stuff if you're wanting to have a good experience on hallucinogens. Not that I know anything about it. Yep. That's uh, life in the year 2016. So. Um, yeah, boy. If I ever thought we were going to get to this point in life, I, I'm not sure I would have wanted to continue. <laughs> it's so different. I don't even know how we could describe it. Maybe we should all be writing our books, but nobody reads books anymore. Um, doing little videos and sending them around on Facebook or something about how it used to be when we were kids. Because it was completely different. I don't think they realized that what they would consider to be so dangerous now, we did as, like, daily life. Leave the house in the morning at 8 o'clock and not come back until supper time. <laughs> Nobody missed you. Well, you yeah, and, and, and kids out two, uh, I was out two hours after dark <laughs> in the summer. We used to ram around and play and have all these great times. And, I mean, as far as our adventures and imagination, they were, I mean, rampant. We could think about things and and develop our own plans and build stuff and do all kinds of things. And the kids now, they, they can't even think. If somebody asks them to think about something that's too hard, they just, they just go blank. They, they just can't even think. I don't know. I don't know if there's any um, hope for some of these babies to develop into, you know, great minds or whatever, because I'm seeing some babies, actually, that just amaze me. Like the development, um, like they always had, like, certain developmental markers that you could see at different ages, like, you know, when they would sit up and when they would smile and when their first word was and all these things. And some of these babies that I'm seeing lately that are like the children of some of my former students, these kids are like, they're, they're so brilliant. They they almost blow you away. 
there um one of my students just had a baby oh maybe two months ago. That child was smiling the first week. Now that is something that they used to tell you, well that kid's not smiling, it's just they have gas or something. But this kid is actively smiling and he has been the whole time. He very much interacts with the people around him. So he's way social already. And there's just, you know, people showing their videos of their kids doing things that are just they wouldn't have been doing 20 years ago, um, problem solving, and they're barely walking yet, and they can do problem solving, high-level complex problem solving. And it makes you wonder what's going to happen after they have all those vaccines and, you know, other assaults on their nervous system, whether they'll still have any brains left at all. So... Anyway, special needs children need special skilled parents to uh, to raise them into uh, into useful adults. And well, even healthy kids need intelligent parents to turn us into to something. I think kids should be educated uh, depending on what they need and their learning styles and that type of thing. Um, I just I value people's children and their families, and, you know, there's different ways people contribute. You know, um, God, I hope we never have a test where we go by what someone's IQ is, whether or not they're allowed to live. I just can't, I can't deal with that stuff. Maybe I watch too many movies, but can't deal with it. Uh, when you get to be in your 60s, you start to realize that you've met a lot of people in your life, and so you do kind of put a personal face on some of these concepts. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of people with Down syndrome over the course of my life. Some of them are very productive adults, and I don't even know if they live that old, but, you know. Looking at the task manager on my computer... I have shut down my email program. I only have one window open on Firefox, and something has eaten up 90-some percent of my system resources. Huh. And all I'm looking at is the TalkShoe web screen, and, well, I'm just locked into my own home page, which has no script at all running on that one. And the task manager says, yeah, it's Firefox using up power. Well... The only thing Firefox is looking at is TalkShoe, and we're not like a few minutes ago when there was a new post going up every five seconds. We haven't had a post here for 10 or 20 seconds, and so why is it taxing all the power out of my computer? What's going on? It's... uh, I think it's Gates and NSA is uh, is looking at some other stuff, and that's what seats Yeah, they're cranking. Power. They're they're saving all our stuff. Hey, my my low battery signal's going off, so if okay. I go dead, that's why. I better well, say good night. Well, likewise, my 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 full bladder alarm is going off too. So, <laughs> like like oh, I said before, I've only got about a three-hour bladder, so <laughs> too much sharing, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Well, thanks for a, a, a lengthy but uh, but rather talkative show. So, uh, thanks for everybody for for hanging in there. And I see we we still have a few few people online, a few of the regulars. Yeah, but uh, make sure you go listen to Dottie's um, show from last night if you get a chance. It's called Main Exposed, and it's on Talk Show. 
and okay. it was all about that that law that she would like to have us overturn because it's absolving them of all their uh, mistakes or whatever they did in the old deeds and stuff. So it's property thing. Okay. Okay. All right. Alrighty. Well, night everybody, and we'll catch everybody next week then. All right. Bye. Thanks Bye. for coming. Mm-hmm. Good night. Good night. Okay, good night, everybody. Before I lose my phone, um, I'm going to be ending the call. And guest seven, sorry I had to cut you off. I hope you're feeling better by tomorrow and um, that you're not having some kind of a whatever it is reaction to hallucinogens. All right, talk to you guys later. See you next week. Good night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.